Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm supposed like to take sweet victory. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Know this life meant for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value payment, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. Now they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Inappropriate. Okay, gang, very rarely, very rarely do we allow two Canadians on the podcast. We don't do that because it's in our code. For PBD Podcast, but we're doing this for the first time. I think it's the first time. Tom being a Canadian, if you didn't know, if you're disappointed, we have Tom, another one here. Canadian? As well. we, we have a we have you're a Canadian? Chris Pavlovsky, founder of Rumble. Big shot announcement today. I mean a massive, massive announcement today that they made. Uh they just signed uh Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports is officially with Rumble. Wow. And it's such a big deal. I mean, obviously, if you look at the market, the stock is up 30, 32% just today after the announcement being made that they're now with Rumble. It's, it was, it's uh, such a big deal that uh, Dana White is retweeting this and sharing it with the marketplace on what's going on. Exciting news. He'll give us more of the details. There's some uh, uh, you know, structure of it that people don't know, which you will learn about. The public doesn't know what the structure is. I think he's going to uh, whisper to us a little bit. And then at the same time, Truth Social today is up 75 78% today. And a lot of people are saying, why is this happening? It's because they're thinking he's going to be the candidate, so Truth is going to go, and he's not tweeting. So everybody's got to go on Truth to see what he has to say. Wow. And that's, that's a power play he's making. But before we get into the story, let me share with you what other stories we're going to be talking about as well. One, Bernie Sanders' wife signed a deal publishing a book in 2017. She got a $106,000 check. Are you serious? You know, today, publishers are still waiting for a book. There is no book. No. When have you ever heard a book taking this long to write? Wow. We'll see. Maybe maybe it's such a powerful novel, like the size of a Bible, yeah. that she's doing a lot of due diligence. We'll talk about that. She the hasn't San- been feeling well. You have to explain it. She hasn't been feeling well. Yeah. DeSantis drops out. Timing Gurabha spoiler, but DeSantis <laughs> drops out of presidential race, and he seems so relieved it's amazing this is the happiest i said ever, ever yeah and by the way i mean good for him it's exciting to see uh, him being happy in, in 10 months and then nato warns an all-out war in russia next 20 years wait till we play this one video for you and you'll see what's going on with that uh doj biden's doj finally admits hunter biden's laptop is real tom has a perspective that i think is very very interesting that will point out uh, in regards to pardoning that there's an element of resigning. and You just have to hear this perspective he's got. Very, very interesting. Vivek for VP race this last Sunday, uh, right after DeSantis uh, suspended his race and endorsed Trump. I was on a uh, Twitter X uh, with uh, uh, Mario Nafal, and it was a very interesting conversation. Everybody wanted to know about VP. Tulsi Gabbard's name came up again. Vivek's name came up again. And all of it led to an interesting name of a person that a lot of people are wondering, you know, how this name was announced. We'll break it down for you on a VP candidate that maybe nobody is talking about. Stay tuned for that. We'll get to that here in a minute as well. Jordan Peterson, 
fires back after court dismisses his appeal of mandated social media training. The war has barely started, says Jordan Peterson, the monster. Ohio lawmakers propose paying students to attend school and graduate. Let me read this one more time so you know it's not a mistake. Listen, Ohio lawmakers propose paying students to attend school and graduate. Think about it. We're paying you to go to high school. Just please stay in school. We'll pay you to stay in school instead of going out there and causing mayhem. And then uh, Elon Musk, uh, will Elon Musk's politics impact Tesla sales? Forbes thinks it will. Buy now, pay later is destroying a lot of people. Big developer launches a billion-dollar fund to buy distressed New York City offices. NFL announces pregame will include black national anthem. And on top of that, NFL is talking about how a pay-per-view Super Bowl, it may happen sooner than you think. Can you imagine? We're paying to watch Super Bowl. And last but not least for some of you guys, if, if you're having a rough day and and maybe you have some sympathy left in you to give to somebody else, Nikki Haley claims she was a victim of racism. Mm-hmm. Teased every day oh, no. uh, for being oh. for being brown. She's and, brown. Yeah, I mean she was teased, and you have, you have to respect I'm, it. You're brown. I'm brown. Yeah, but listen, life is hard, and you know if you want some <laughs> uplifting uh, news, trans golfer. Haley Davidson wins women's tournament. Let's go, bro. Seriously, increasing chances <laughs> to go, LPGA. Let's go, baby. Uh, uh, go qualifier. Obviously, big news. I'm sure many people <laughs> listening to this are celebrating. But with all of that stuff being said, um, Rumble. Let's get back to this. And and you know, with Rumble, I'll give a minute update here and here as well in a minute. Just hang tight. But with Rumble, if you look at the screen right there, Barstool joins Rumble. Wow. The market lost. Their minds. Let me get this straight. Dave Portnoy, the, the, the marketer that he is, right, the mouthpiece, he's everywhere, right? Mainstream guy is officially joining Rumble. Everyone's asking, what's the structure look like? What does this really mean? The stock is up 32%. There is no better person to talk about the structure and the deal than the founder of Rumble, Chris. So, Chris, tell us about what's going on here with the big news today. Patrick, thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for having me on, guys. I love you, Chris. Um, really, really, really proud to be on here today. So, yeah, earlier this morning, um, you guys broke, uh, and we broke that uh, Barstool is joining Rumble. Um, it's going to be a deal that encompasses cloud, uh, an advertising partnership where our sales teams can help each other um, sell ads on, uh, on Rumble. Uh, and uh, bringing all their content to Rumble. Uh, in addition to that, uh, they'll also be promoting Rumble um, on all their social media accounts, um, only Rumble. Uh, so we're really excited about that. That's a that's a, a big big thing for us to have a, a brand like Barstool really kind of getting behind it. But here's the big thing, and like the thing that I think actually probably nobody knows is, and my favorite thing, I think it's the best thing, the biggest thing, is he didn't come for the bag. He came Which for the normally e- most people do, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. He came for the equity. Hmm. So Dave Portnoy is now an owner of Rum- a part, owns part of Rumble. We uh, the deal was structured with equity, not with, uh, with with mostly equity, with a little bit of cash. So it wasn't entirely a, a bag like everyone else out there looks for. So for me, that's super exciting because. You know, he believes in this. He believes in this company. He believes in Rumble. He believes in the idea of creating competition in the market. And we need someone like Dave to get behind something Rumble, like him to get behind Rumble. I think that's like key for us. And having Barstool and all their their litany, like their 
massive list of podcasts. Let me tell All you. Of like them I, are joining. I, when I was looking at it, I was yeah. like, oh, wow. You, that one too? Like, How many is it, Chris? Not to cut you off. I, 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 it it's more than 75, oh I think. God. I think yeah. it's like it's just wow. like a, a massive list of, uh, of content they have. So bringing that onto Rumble is like huge because like all our consumption is driven by content and having content now in the sports category that they cover you know very very thoroughly is is also really complimentary to us because i've been pushing sports like more than anything since we went public we raised roughly 400 million back Mm -hmm. in september i can't i'm getting losing my years it's going so fast but like september 2022 and the majority of that you know a lot of that money has been going into investing into content. And in particular, the biggest investments have been going into like sports. We invest in power slap. We invested in mm. street league skateboarding. We invested in uh, nitro rallycross racing. Um, and uh, we even have the UFC on and we, we run UFC pay-per-view in, uh, in Canada. So th- a lot of the investment has gone towards sports. And uh, I think this is like a super complimentary thing to have is uh, having Barstool and all their podcasts on there, really kind of uh, broadening that portfolio of sports. Tom, let me platform. ask you a question. If, 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 you, if you look at it from an investor's lens, when you hear, and by the way, this is breaking news, just so, not the fact that Barstool joins Rumble is breaking news. We broke that this morning at 8 a.m. What's breaking news is the fact that this is an equity deal. Bigger portion of it, based on what you're saying, is equity than it is cash. They got some cash, but mostly equity. How do you look at it from Dave Portnoy's uh, uh, POV when he says, no, I want equity because I'm long on this company? How do you process that? I process it a couple ways. So first, let me put on my like Dave Portnoy hat. It's like, wow, here's a platform that's established. It has a public currency, meaning it's trading on the stock market. And I am going to personally drive the value of that currency. So rather than paying me $1 today, you could be paying me $10, $20, $50, $100 tomorrow for every dollar you pledge to me today. And when you're in Dave's position and you can take that deal because he's been so successful, and he also, um, you know, Penn, it's all public, so we'll talk about Penn Gaming and ESPN and everything that did there gave him his freedom back, and there are some things that happened there. So he's in a position that he can go long on, on Dave by going long on Rumble. Now, I'll give you another perspective, if it's okay. Let's look at the Wall Street analyst. Wow, so Rumble doesn't have to use any of their precious capital. They can keep building infrastructure so they can scale up to serve more viewers and, and more things with their with their platform. And they get the benefit of this individual. Okay, well, I wonder what the dilution is on the stock, but they're bringing more content that is already proven and established. You know, any dilution is is canceled by that because we're increasing the value of the whole. And any retail investor, you know, like me, you, whoever on the street, you look at it and you say, wow, now there's more great content on that platform. So like when Sunday Ticket went to um, DirecTV back in the day, 1994, mm-hmm. it really made DirecTV because they gave you a reason to go to DirecTV because there's great content. Content makes the platform, not the other way around. And you can already see the content that's already been on Rumble. Now you've put more content on top of that. And the market has had a value-driven, very positive reaction today. Congratulations, Chris. Yeah, that's a big deal. So, And by the way, for, for, for the audience that maybe they're only YouTube, right, or uh, uh, even X, or maybe they consume their content, TikTok, Instagram, different places. What would you say is the biggest differentiator between Rumble and anything else that's out there, whether it's YouTube or X? 
So there's a lot of different components. Uh, X is very different than Rumble in in many different ways. Um, and you know, I'll try to break that down because it's. Uh, I think it's important for people to understand. I don't see X as competition as at all. The the one part that we share is freedom of expression, allowing people to be authentic and allowing people to to speak their minds. Uh, but in terms of the platform itself, X is a is a discovery platform. So. You know, if I'm on a discovery platform like TikTok or X uh, or Facebook or Instagram, you're going there to consume content mm-hmm. and you're going there to to find content. You don't have any particular motive to go there. When you're going to YouTube or you're going to Rumble on YouTube's case, you know, DIY video, you know exactly what you're going to watch and what you're trying to find. When you're going to Rumble, you know exactly who you're going to mm. you're going to reserve like an hour to watch one of the shows right. on Rumble like Bongino or whoever it may be. Um, and you're going to reserve like one full hour, two hours. You're not going there to discover. You're going there with a high intention of watching something very specific. And you might turn on your TV. You might participate in the chat. And it's a very different experience than uh, when you look at X or TikTok, Facebook or, or whatnot. So um, the way I look at it is Rumble is very intention-based. And uh, X, TikTok, and all the other platforms are very uh, discovery, non-intention-based. How do you compare YouTube to Rumble? Now, now YouTube is is much is much different. Um, they're much more like Rumble, same like Twitch. Uh, you have high intention. Even Netflix, mm-hmm. for example, is is closer to Rumble than than an X is, and that's because of the. It's, it all stems from the behavior. They have intention. They they when you're going to to YouTube, you're watching the Patrick Bet David podcast. You're reserving an hour to watch it. You're not going there and figuring it out. You you already know when he's going to go, or you're getting a notification when he's going to go, and you see if you have time, and you go watch the full podcast. The same, the same thing happens with Rumble. Now, the difference between YouTube and Rumble, there, there's a lot of striking differences. One is obviously the, you can actually be authentic on, on Rumble, whereas on YouTube, authenticity, authenticity doesn't exist anymore. They've, they've taken that out. You can't have conversations on numerous different topics without some kind of repercussion that's going to happen on the platform. Whereas on Rumble... You can be authentic. So people are going to come to Rumble if they want to really see a really true, authentic experience and and have content uh, that, you know, they may agree with or disagree with. Uh, whereas on YouTube, you're going to be much more limited in what you're going to see. And you're not really sure if that person that you're watching is being is authentic. So I think that's like a, a, a glaring example. Um at four o'clock, I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, what, what what we have in store tomorrow, but um, it, it, that will make a big difference against YouTube. So um, that I, I, I was told I can't talk about that. It's all good. I want, I want to share something for the for the viewers that you're about to be uh, spooked when I tell you the story about Rumble, and I think you will be spooked as well, both you and Adam, and maybe even Tom. Can you pull up that story real quick, Rob, on who was one of one of the early investors in Rumble? It's a guy named Vivek. Huh. Vivek Ramaswani was one of the early investors in Rumble. Matter of fact, New York Times broke the story. If you can go to the Ramaswani investment scene at odds with his position on woke culture. So can we see the date on this, uh, when this was? If we can see the date on this story. Okay, so July 7, 2023. We're talking about six months ago. Go a little lower. Keep going lower, lower, lower. They're breaking all these things down. And then, boom, I think go up, go up. Where you see $25 million. Go up a little bit more. Look for the There you go. But until he filed these financial disclosures with election officials, there were a few details. The filing reported that Mr. Ramaswamy owned up to $25 million investment in Rumble. 
the video platform styles itself a refuge for right-wing commentators shunned elsewhere. He owns up to $300,000 in cryptocurrency, primarily Bitcoin, and then all these other things. So $25 million, Vivek Ramaswani is an investor in Rumble, and this was a quietly kept secret. I don't think anybody's talked about this publicly, but uh, how did that happen? Well, first, uh, we're not a platform for right-wing commentators. I love how they show that New York Times. Right-wing. Yeah, yeah um, right-wing. You're not even we're, we're a platform for everyone. Uh, and, you know, we have sports leagues on there. We got BKFC. We got UFC. So I don't know where they come up with that, but they, they find their way. You got to love New York Times' yeah. approach. Though. They, they come from a gentle <laughs> approach and non, non-judgment, You're loving on crap you. crap yeah. you just with like a... Go for it. <laughs> Highly medicated. So, uh, yeah. So Vivek was uh, in our first public round prior to going public. Vivek was part of that um, with Naria Capital and uh, Peter Thiel. Uh, and he was one of the the larger the larger investors, and in, uh, when, when we started, so he, and and that's what Peter Thiel when they came in. Yeah, I think that was in May of twenty one or April of twenty one. Does he publicly talk about it? I don't hear him publicly talking about it. No, I haven't heard. Do you know why why he doesn't publicly talk? It's he's got money behind it. He wins, right? <laughs> I mean, he like if 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 that's the number, thirty two percent essentially, he made five million dollars today. If that's the investment that we're talking about. Right, thirty minimum twenty five. No, at that age, no, that twenty five million is a bigger number. It's a much bigger number to him, whatever that twenty five million is worth today. But I've not heard him talk about it. Do do you and him communicate a lot? You and uh, Vivek? Uh, we we communicate, um, not a lot, but we do communicate. I, I stay in touch with him quite frequently. What do you think about him as a the way he campaigned and now some people are talking about potentially VP? I think Trump just announced he's not going to be the VP. What do you think about him as a candidate? Uh, I think he he impressed a lot of people. Uh, he he he, I th- he definitely caught the eye of a lot of people and impressed a lot of people. And he did a lot better than everyone thought he was going to do. So um, I think that's impressive for for anybody to pull you know over five percent in, in in Iowa is uh, is a very impressive mm-hmm. impressive stat for somebody like that to pull it. Yeah. So anyways, here you go. If you didn't know. Vivek, investor in Rumble. But that's fat. No, but pretty not, interesting. Not, no, interesting. Does, yeah. does he post on Rumble? Yeah, he's on Rumble as well. He's yes. on Rumble. Yeah. Let me let me tie in Vivek and, and Rumble and sort of what you know kind of reacted to on this right. What do they what do they call it right, right here? Wing right wing commentator. So uh, I remember sitting with you with PBD at the Republican debates in Miami. That's the debate where Vivek was like. I'm calling on Rhonda McDaniel to step down right now. Kristen Welker. You know, he, he basically did the old office space. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. All that same thing. You got something to say? So, go. There you go. Yeah. So I'm sitting next to you. You're on two phones. You're checking. Trump's giving a speech. You're also sponsoring the RNC. Like, you got a lot going on. I mean, I don't know how many phones you have today, but you're doing your thing. So there's a difference between perception and reality. I know you reacted real quick. You're like, nah, we're not a right-wing refuge. We're actually a free speech platform. Free speech, ironically enough, as mind-blowing it is, kind of meets right-wing these days, which is weird. So, And I remember you showing me the percentage of breakdown of people that are left-wing, right-wing, right, Chris? And you're like, actually, it's a lot more in the middle than you would suspect. But there's a difference between perception and reality. How do you avoid being labeled, even from the New York Times and the media, positioning rumble, all those right-wingers over there? It's like the reality is we're just a free speech platform that should be left, right, center, up, down. How do you avoid that uh, that label? It's it's a great question, and it's it's true. The perception is not the re- the perception is totally different than the reality. Um, the the data, just simply the data, not by Rumble, 
But by Comscore, which is like the holy grail in the advertising industry, this is what people spend their money behind. So if the data says this and it matches Comscore, advertisers put money behind it. So I'm guessing it's uh, to them, they think it's right. So the data has Democrats as the number one category on Rumble. Stop and think about that. Right. There's right wing. uh... Independents are second and Republicans are third. Independents and no affiliation combined is the largest category on Rumble. But yeah, I think you showed. I think you showed I, us I have, that. Shot. I have it yeah. pinned on X at the very top so, because I just want everybody to see that because this it is, is pinned n- up top on Rumble handle or on Twitter uh, on, on, my, a on personal. my personal. Chris Can you Pavlosky go to Chris's uh, personal handle so and show I, that? I remember you showing me these numbers, and I think it's important to talk about for the for the reputation of Rumble because if I asked you, hey, who's on Truth Social? Would they be like, oh, it's the MAGA people, right? So, who's so, on so, Parler? Give me one second here. Yeah, okay, so if you look at this, independent, no affiliation, twelve point six percent. Other one point two. Independent, twenty eight point nine. Democrat. 35.5 21.8 is Republican now who ran this Comscore ran this correct that's very interesting to see data like that Q3 last year is what, this, no this the, yeah September what is what is people's reaction when you show this they're, they're thinking 80% is Republican right they don't believe it it's that simple they don't they, they don't believe it but but like there's a lot of things that have happened on Rumble in the last year that might have moved this number a lot. Um, we signed like massive creators. We brought in sports leagues. Um, we brought on like we brought on guys like Kai Sinat and I Show Speed to do a show. We brought on DJ Academics to do a sh- to a show. These are not political creators. Most of my investment have not been political at all. Um, they've been in like various different categories, primarily sports. But we're talking about like. The, the number one streamer on Twitch, Kai Sanat, number one streamer on, on YouTube, I Show Speed, the number one guy in hip hop culture, DJ Academics. Like, you bring all these people onto the platform and you bring on all these sports leagues like Slap and SLS, you're not going to have like the, the typical makeup of users that, you know, that are tied to politics. So, and there's also something to be said is maybe people don't understand Mega that well. Maybe people don't understand what the Mega composition really is as well so like are they all are they all registered republicans or a lot of them independents or a lot of them maybe even democrats who knows the the maga crowd the make america great again well i I mean that's an easy question well no no we're definitely not democrats well for sure no i get that but like where where was the voter base where 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 did they do so well like where did trump do so well in 2016 Pennsylvania. Yeah, the Baltimore. Rust Belt. Yeah, the Rust Belt. The typical blue were wall they, that he were broke Were they through. registered Democrats five, ten years ago? No, a lot of these guys flip-flop every four years. They're the bipolar Correct. part but of the what, community. What, what but traditionally, they've been the blue wall that, that has elected the Democrats and, since Clinton and, and, and Obama. Correct. But what are they registered as? A lot of times, they're independent. There you go. Well, that, that's in the data. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So independence, uh, 35.5% Democrat. I don't think most people would have guessed. So who are some of the who are the biggest? If you were to give some numbers, you were to say these are the kind of users we have, this amount of traffic we're getting every month. When we're doing lives, we're getting this many viewers. This is how many eyeballs. Here's what the top content creators make. And what are some numbers you can give us? Well, the biggest stream on Rumble Every single weekday is Dan Bongino, and he's posting over 100,000 live every morning at 11 a.m. And there is nobody on stream charts that hits that number every day. Nobody. 
Um, it's unlike anything I, I, I've ever seen. The growth on that channel alone has gone from twenty to 30,000 a year ago to a year later doing, I think he was at 115, 120 this morning mm -hmm. of uh, live streamers, um, live viewers, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, and prior to him, you have Steven Crowder uh, at the 10 o'clock hour, who's just right up there at the very uh, close to 100,000 himself. So you got Crowder and then you got Bongino and then um, you have also Bannon that's running on the same, same. We, a lot of times in the United States, Rumble is one, two, and three between 10 and 12, mm -hmm. which is pretty significant. And then obviously some of the other big shows that we have. Well, this this is sort of counterintuitive what we just discussed, because those are the biggest right Correct. wing talking guys in the world. So how does, how does it fly in that data? That's right? what I'm saying. That's yeah. what we're trying to grapple. That's why people assume you say Bongino, you say Crowder, you say, what was the third name? Bannon, Steve Bannon. Yeah. Hello. That's not exactly Democrat country right there. So it's a little weird how these numbers are shaking out, but that's the but perception not, versus the reality. Uh, but they're also not also like your typical Republican that you, you also see as well. Right. So like they're not like, you know, you, you can see the stage you, you, when uh, at the debate, there's only one Vivek. Right. Everyone else was kind of saying the same thing to a lot to a large degree. Establishment versus disruptive force, right? Pretty much. Well, what what other data do you have? What what else? What other data you have with Rumble? That's big numbers to brag about. So we did fifty eight million active users, um, which are, the majority of them are happening in U.S. and Canada. I don't remember the, the U.S. and Canada number off the top of my head, but it's fifty eight million globally that are that are happening on the platform in the last recorder that we reported. Um, when you, and it's over 30 million in us and Canada. And when you like stack that up against other platforms out there, I think it was close to 40 million in us and Canada, but don't quote me on that. Um, the last time X reported their users in the United States, they, the MAUs, the number that we use, I, I think it was like in 2019 and it was around 68 million in the U S so, like, just it, YouTube itself is around 200 million. So when you put our number against those numbers, like, obviously, we're not as big globally, not even close. Those There's huge markets out there that we haven't really penetrated at all. But uh, when it comes to the U.S. and Canada, we, we're, we're very significant. Um, so significant that I think we have the largest streams out there. When Kai and Speed go live on Rumble, mm -hmm. you know, they, there was one stream where they did well over 200,000 people live. Like... That's it, uh, on a regular. They're like fifty to a hundred thousand. And well, don't Tate's hold the record for like four fifty or four? What was the number they did? Yeah, I, I don't know if that was the. I, I would have to look to see what the record is. But um, yeah, Tate Tate's when he came back, it was around four hundred thirty thousand in one stream. That that that's not like just views. That's live watching. Wow. Correct. Four hundred thirty thousand live. It's watching. a very. Yeah. Big can I can I ask you number. one follow up on this? So we, we we were talking about when we initially met Chris or did the yeah. that sit down that dinner. It was two years ago. He's like, oh, it was probably a year ago. Yeah, How? we just look right now. It was yeah. February of 22. February 9th of twenty two when you made the Rogan hundred million dollar offer. Incredible, yeah. which um, was was awesome. So I remember you were telling us your story about basically the the humble beginnings of this and the business platform, but you didn't realize how far extreme some of these platforms are going to go and then just left sort of a blue ocean strategy for you as a free speech advocacy right so for, there's a lot of entrepreneurs watching this a lot of people basically trying to make business out of this you just are creating a business model you didn't foresee yourself being involved in all this how surreal is it just pinch yourself for the entrepreneurs that want to dream that now we're talking about youtube rumble 
uh, Twitter, X, Meta, like you're in this conversation, Rumble, where three years ago people were like, Rumble? What does that mean? Like nobody even knows. Like the come up of an entrepreneur must be really rewarding for you, Chris. Yeah, no, the, you know, I remember when I was pitching back in 2014, 2013, they laughed me out of the room laughed at me like they were saying things that you know you can't even say on you can't you cannot say it on youtube <laughs> <laughs> but on rumble but the, right now if you want to hear what they were saying <laughs> but like the, the the vc market was cruel like super cruel and so but i went on i i drove ahead i our politics by the way in 2013 even till today like we don't we don't have politics at rumble like our politics were cats and dogs if anything when we started rumble but uh it was vicious trying to raise money and trying to get to where we were. And uh, it is really, really rewarding to know that you've gotten here without their help. You kind of did it without without all them. Um, that's like super rewarding. When uh, you say they were vicious, meaning they didn't like the idea, they weren't pulling, willing to put money behind it. Oh, no, they were. Was like, there a part, the was there a part where there would, was like self-doubt that you were going to maybe fold up shop? The stuff they would say to you in, in, in the meeting, I mean, there's one particular meeting that stands out that was so cruel and so like just basically kicked me out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's just really rewarding to know that you, you, you won. Tell me who he is, Chris, and I'll kick his yeah. ass. <laughs> Chris, what's the biggest difference why you guys uh, uh, are still around and growing, doing deals, and parlors not? Infrastructure. Um, and this is a huge thing about Rumble that I think is so underappreciated uh, of what we've done. So it, it it's also like an, an, there's one negative to building your own infrastructure. You got to move a you move a lot slower on everything else because like I can't just go to Amazon and take something and build the software on top. I got to build the thing that I would normally take from Amazon. Mm -hmm. And that's even harder than building the software, some would say, you know, like, so um, what we've done is we've built our own infrastructure from the ground up. We, we were in data centers across the country. We have, you know, over in points of presence across the country. Um, and we don't rely in any meaningful way on uh, any of the big tech infrastructure mm. companies. Um, we're, we're build we're we, we've built it we've built the rumble cloud um we're anticipating to to release that rumble cloud you know in in very short order um and hopefully within this quarter um to the public and um we that was the one thing that that parlor didn't do is they didn't build their infrastructure they rented the they, infrastructure. Re they they took it from amazon they relied on amazon and amazon pulled the plug yeah. and when i saw that happen I said that's never going to happen to us. Well, I remember hearing about AWS. We all, everyone knows Amazon. This isn't breaking news, but I never no, nobody really was too familiar with AWS. Uh, Andy Jazzy, I believe that's now the CEO of um, of Amazon. He was the guy running AWS. They selected him to be the CEO, but they started pulling some stuff. I think it was a Rumble was the, was the onset of this. They said, "Yeah, AWS canceled them. Basically." took it down. So you had the foresight to say, dude, we're not even messing with the AWS structure. Yeah, we never used AWS. We used bare metal and we rented things back then. Um, but when this happened, we said we needed to own it. Uh, so now we own all our hardware. Um, we're building our own network. Um, and uh, we have a lot of clients already using it now. So like it's in beta, you know, people that you might know, Tim Pool's whole what business is on his websites on, on the on Rumble Cloud. Mm. Rumble itself is, is on Rumble Cloud. Locals is on Rumble Cloud. 
and uh, hopefully we'll have Barstool up here. They're going to be using they, they they our deal includes the cloud as well. Fantastic. So and what was it, by the way? Now that's four o'clock. You want to give everybody the update on what the patent, what the announcement's going to be? Yes. So we filed our first uh, our, our first the patent. So it's uh, we're 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 patent pending right now, and I think this is like going to be a, a massive game changer. Uh, that's going to happen. We're actually going to be releasing the Rumble Studio to the public uh, tomorrow. Um, and one of the things it, that's really, really important about this patent and where I think uh, Rumble Studio is going to change the game, something that YouTube does not have, something that um, nobody has, is we're gonna, it, it's not going to be released tomorrow, but Rumble Studio itself will be released. But a part of Rumble Studio will be the automatic bidding of live reads within the studio. So imagine this for a second. It, it, it sounds complicated, but it's actually pretty simple. Imagine you're Coca-Cola. Imagine you know, you're the Patrick Bet David podcast and you're the creator. You're using Rumble Studio to stream to X. We will be supporting X, by the way. We'll be supporting YouTube. We'll be supporting Twitch. Um, and we'll be supporting other platforms through custom RTMP as well. But you're streaming to multiple platforms using the Rumble Studio. Um, and then all of a sudden you get a notification that says, hey, Coca-Cola, want, or Coca-Cola wants to buy an endorsement or a sponsorship on your podcast and they're willing to pay X at that very given moment. That's, what this is, that, that's where Rumble Studio is going to go. We're, we're, we want to build... It, not only just a studio to live stream, but an ad platform that can help creators make money across any live streaming platform. Um, and if you're Coca-Cola, imagine how awesome it is to be able to go into the Rumble Advertising Center and say, hey, I have a $10,000 budget. I want to advertise on these categories um, and I will pay five cents a live viewer. Not, not, a, not a view that you know can be manipulated or whatnot that... Uh, but like a, a live viewer, an actual person watching, like you're paying for that live viewer. So all the incremental views you get pa- after that, you know, there's bonus to the advertiser. So they can put the parameter in, pick the channels they want to go on or pick on run on network and then pick a budget they want to do. And then the notification goes in real time to to all the streamers using the studio. That's where I think we, we change the game for live streaming. Um, right now, the entire video market is... Uh, is propped up on programmatic advertising, pre-rolls, commercials that start at the beginning of uh, of um, uh, of your videos or midway through your videos. Uh, this will have talent endorsing product if the talent agrees to accept it for the offer that the advertiser provides. That's a big deal, that, especially to be able to do with the uh, instant, real-time uh, guys doing a live stream and boom, yes, let's accept this, read this, boom, here's money that goes into the account. So it's more than just a... A super chat option that you're going to have. It's a big deal what you're what you're putting together with the Rumble. Yeah, it's and it's something that you know we're protecting because we think this is such a big idea. Like we've we obviously run live reads with a lot of our creators now. We know how successful it is. It it converts and performs for advertisers far better than programmatic ads do. So we we think we're onto something really big. And and the beauty of it, it's not limited to just Rumble. We're, we'll be making money with the creators all across. All platforms. I love it. And, 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 you know, one of the things I was saying during lunchtime is the following. Is when you're on YouTube, YouTubers are not uh, 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 necessarily going around saying, well, if I ask you right now what YouTube stands for, values and principles, you wouldn't be able to tell me what YouTube stands for. Think about it. 
If I ask you what YouTube stands for, you wouldn't be able to say it. If I ask you what Twitter stands for, you would be able to say it. Freedom of speech. There are certain values because you would think about what? You would think about the founder, right? What they stand. If I ask you right now what Google stands for, you wouldn't have an answer. If I ask you what Facebook stands for, maybe you would say collecting your data, right? (laughs) Honestly, you would think about collecting your data. If I ask you what TikTok stands for, maybe you would say brainwashing your kids in America while keeping the kids in China smart, right? Maybe you would say that. And whether there's credibility in that or not, there's been proofs on some people I've looked at where there is credibility in that taking place. But go ahead and talk to a guy that's a Rumble content creator. Look how they are. They'll wear the shirt, they'll wear the hat, and they'll say, Rumble stands for freedom of speech. And If I told you we get 100 messages a week, when are you guys joining Rumble? When are you guys doing this? I don't even understand why you're not. You're, you're such a, a person like you. You have the money. Come down to Rumble. I get these messages all this. I mean, all I think about, all I think about is the people that are there respect and value what you built. And it's a beautiful thing to see that they respect the app that's been built. And it's growing that's getting the attention of people like Dana White and Dave Portnoy. And Dave Portnoy bringing all their apps over to you. But, guys, if you're listening to this, Tom, you look like you want to say something. So before I go to the next story, I want to come to you. No, I was just I was going to compliment what you did because I think in ad tech, you're, you're really crossing over a chasm here. There have been people, a lot of people have wanted to make, hey, we're going to make the – and I saw, I saw this business plan in 2013 to be exact. Hey, we're going to make the eBay for product insertion, product placement – and um, the movies product placement is always done by the big agencies, right? Paragon was a pioneer in that, you know, William Morris Endeavor, et cetera. No, no, we're going to let you do spontaneous, episodical product placement. And it's like, wait a minute. And we're going to make the eBay of that. So there's a lot of people that had early ad tech things, but it really wasn't ad tech. It was just disintermediating the um, – uh, the agents out of it, and it was wreaking havoc on the ad sales on the network because how can you do product placement for you know let's say a Coca Cola product and then say by the way tell ad sales we can't sell Pepsi this week because we're doing spontaneous product placement. What you're bringing forward in this is sort of a spontaneous you know um, marketplace and an ad tech solution, which I think is pretty clever. So you know hats awesome. off to that. Okay. Thank you. So uh, if you're listening, Rumble community. Uh, uh, shout out to you guys. Congrats. This is a big day for everybody in the Rumble community. You ought to be celebrating all over the place on Twitter. Whatever stories that's being posted, share the stories that he's posting and let everybody else know. Scream it off the top of your lungs on the big uh, big day that you guys had today. That's the reflection of a founder that's constantly grown to grow the business. It's very, very hard to have something like that. But I think you, you, I, I even told you two years ago, you're the right guy to do a job like this. And you've grown. It's a multi-billion dollar company now. And for some of you that have been following the uh, Manect Caucus, right? The Manect Caucus is the voting that started. Okay, Rob, do you have both of them? First, we'll start off with this, and we'll go to the next one. Everyone wants to know who won. It was a very, very close race on who was going to get the $2,000 suit. Here's what the numbers look like as of right now. Vinny, when we started the contest, he only had 103 Manect. Adam was at 572. Tom was at 291. Today... Adam is at 855, only 145 away from a thou. I think Tom may get to a thou. It's a race to see who's going to get to a thou first. Adam's at 283 on this campaign. Tom went from 291 to 779, catching up to Sauce. But Sauce is cool. Sauce is like, it's all good. 488 is where Tom's at. And Vinny went from 103 to 658, 555 Manex. Vinny wins 
the flipping suit, and not only that, with all the Manecs that he did last week, I think he got 400 reviews on your uh, uh, Manek account. I don't know how many five-star reviews you got. People love you on Manek. Uh, and that means we have to go buy Vinny a nice $2,000 suit. Congratulations, Thank Vinny. You. Thank you. All the support out there uh, uh, that you came out. We had a record-breaking downloads of the app, record-breaking number of people booking Manex. Vinny, I think, how much did Manek pay you last week, just, you know, consulting and talking to people on, on the well, app? I want to say thank you to everybody that, that was out there. It, it was, some were just like, beat Adam, some were like, beat Tom, but then some were very serious, some were Life change, I'm listening to you talking, you're crying talking to I somebody's cry, guy. I cried, multiple times, I'm at 45, the testosterone's gone, yeah. I'll cry right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll ball, I don't, I, I'll wear my heart on my sleep, whatever, the chest, whatever, anyway, but, um, uh, what was that? What was the question? Minick, what, how much did the app pay uh, you last week? Okay. Just part-time answering just questions no here and there. No joke. I got paid, well, one day, I got $5,600. In a day? In a day. Off of Minick. And you know me. I've never had that much money. No. So guess what? I went to the dollar store. I went in there and just was like, <laughs> let's go. Toilet paper. You bought all the liver. You yeah. bought a bunch of protein. I've been the stuff trying to get Vinny. To, I've been trying to help Vinny go from a saver to an investor. Yeah. For he's I got, going. We're go, he has no we're choice. Just saying, so like, and we're when gonna, Vinny came in, I gave him a whole. Hoop. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to stay on this too long. All I'm going to say is, Vinny, congrats to you. Thank you. And gang, while Thank you're you. watching this, there's a lot of different updates that's coming on as well. And Rob, if you want to pull up to the other one, if you like there the Manect, is. Chris is Uh-oh. officially on Manect. If you have any questions go. about building a company, technology. Growing the business, founder, and his family Get guy. On there. Yeah. You know, and he's a Canadian and an American from Toronto, lives in Florida. And uh, there's a lot of different things that you can learn and from someone political. like that as well. Listen, yeah. we had a conversation. He doesn't get political, doesn't get political. And I get it. But from looking at that photo, who's that little rascal behind him? Who is that when you <laughs> zoom in? Who is that rascal? Well, who's saying he's getting political? It just oh, so happens God. that bad is sitting behind him. That's oh, not getting political. Gotcha. There he is. It's just, he's just, you know, basic watching no, the UFC fight. What's observer. wrong with that? I'm, yeah, glad, no. I'm glad you noticed that, Vinny, because I'm like, dude, your, your, your picture he's is a completely off-center. Uh, he's a good-looking guy. Show the mug, Chris. So if you got any <laughs> questions for anybody, by the way, Chris, Chris put your... He put his Manect rate at 50 bucks. Are you kidding me? Like, just go really? ask the man a question on Manect, and uh, I'm sure he's got a lot of value to bring to you guys. But a lot of people are joining Manect left and right. I'm going to start off by congratulating Vinny. Thank and you, on top of that, we have more contests coming up. This Friday, I have a merch drop I'm doing that has to do with the late Kobe Bryant. Stay mm-hmm. tuned. I'm so excited about that one. Uh, but stay tuned till Friday. We'll make that announcement. Anyways, let's get right into it. Congratulations. So, question for you. Chris, here's a question for you. Question for you. As a Canadian, okay, proud Canadian, right? And you live in Toronto. You're from Canada. And when I listen to you, I catch the Canada, you know, some of the stuff that you guys do. I had a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine. When I would go to his place, he would, we would drink coconut together. What, however way you guys pronounce your beer how do you pronounce that uh, uh, Canadian beer? Tom's drinking it right now. Kokanee? Kokanee? Have Moose, you heard about this? Moosehead. No, I'll find it. I'll find <laughs> what it's called. It's Anyways. Cocaine. So, yeah, it's more like cocaine is what it was, is yeah. what you're saying. Tom's no. into that vibe. But, but, Rob, can you pull up what just happened at the UFC fight this week? I, I, I don't want you to get offended or upset. You know, Tom, how do you guys feel that at the UFC fight, this is what fans, Canadians, were chanting. It is a little bit offensive, so just please... Bear for impact, Rob. Go ahead and play this clip. Go ahead. You know, my 
English isn't that good, but I think what was that French? What did what do you Rob? What are they? I know is that they were doing the Let's Go Brandon of Canada right now. So what, Rob? Vinny, Adam, what were they saying? They were saying fuck Trudeau. How do do you feel about you know saying something like that about your prime minister? You know, it's it's interesting because like (laughs) I think you guys are a little softer up here, down here, I should say, and then up there we're we're pretty vulgar. Does that happen? America is softer than Canada. Hold on, really? Okay. But wait, because I want you guys. Let's go, Brandon versus that. Well, they were saying fuck Joe Biden. And then he's okay. like, oh, well, let's go, Brandon. I think it was the news well, reporter the, that yeah, got it Yeah, it was wrong. a right. It was a left. She's like, oh, how do you feel about the fact that everybody's chanting? Because the, the driver's name was Brandon. Oh, yeah. And he's all like, I don't think that's By the way, it's been such saying, a long but, time, Rob. It's worthy but, of yeah. playing the clip again, the yeah. original, you know. She's uh, like, what are, they, what are they saying? Yeah. No, she but, thought they were saying, let's go, Brandon. The driver's like, so, yeah. It's a race. That's a NASCAR race if you type But go ahead. How do you feel about seeing UFC fight chanting like this? Chris. Well, you know, as I was saying earlier, I don't like to get too too deep into yeah. the politics myself. So, um, you know, just listen to it. it it's uh, it was uh, it was very interesting to see. Now, Trudeau, obviously, he's done a lot of a lot of things I don't agree with yeah. in, in Canada. Uh, a lot of the bills, Bill C-11 that he was trying to pass was, you know, the things that it was originally proposing was crazy in, in my eyes. So. A lot of things I just don't agree with. Would it be fair to say that Justin Trudeau is the male version of AOC in Canada or like the actual <laughs> stepson of a Bernie Sanders, maybe even a Fidel Castro kind of a thing? Weird. Where would you say for the people in America, you know, a soft Americans over here, right, Chris? Where would you say that Justin Trudeau is, is most like on the political spectrum? Canadians are very left. Um but they're also, you know, I think the spectrum is is quite wide in Canada. Like we did, you saw the truckers protest. Mm-hmm. You saw the things Canadians would fight for. So I, I think there's like, a, there's, it's very diverse in the sense that it, it goes very left and right. But why, uh, why are Canadians very left? Is it is it the weather because well, it's have, cold and you have you have you have this, you have three major parties. You have the NDP, you yeah. have the Liberals, and you have the Conservatives. Um, the Liberals. Uh, are supposed to be the center in the center, uh, but what Classic you see, liberal. but what you see happening is like the conservatives actually. I think they had the popular vote. I think they mm-hmm. got like close to forty percent of the vote. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, the PPC as well had another five percent. So almost half of Canada voted conservative, but the liberals have power, and the way the way that the liberals have power is they have to do deals with the far left in Canada, the NDP. So I think that's what pulls them uh, in that direction. Um, and that's why you see the way it is. And then also you have Justin Trudeau. What do you, what do you think about Pierre <laughs> Poilivier or however way you pronounce his last name? Does he, does he have a shot at competing and being a PM or no? I, I think like there's, I can't see any way that the NDP or the Liberals win the next election. I just cannot see that happening. If that happens, I just would be shocked. I was shocked they actually won the last one. So, well, how, do, how does someone like, because I'm, and I'm being dead serious. Like over here in America, it's okay. Biden, he, he's safe. And then you get the MAGA. And they, I have yet to meet one person, and I'm not, from all the Menectors, from people at parties, you know, the SL, every single person that I've met, Chris, from Canada is absolutely disgusted with what Trudeau is and what he's doing. And I keep asking, I'm like, why do you guys do? Why is he in? When's he going to get out? When's the next election? Why, why, do, why does everybody dislike this guy? Literally everybody. I think it's just a litany of different things that are embarrassing uh, to Canadians. Like, 
the just the pushback, you know, obviously in my world on on freedom of expression in Canada is uh, is like a major concern. Like freedom of expression is in is Article Nineteen of the UN Human Rights Declaration of Human Rights Charter. Article Nineteen, freedom of expression. It's like super important. It's it's super important for everybody. It's part. It's a human right. And like when you have a government and that's pushing back against freedom of expression, that alone is is gonna is gonna piss off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That, that's just one thing. There's there's a whole litany of different things that he's done. But uh, you know, just on that topic alone, because that's really relevant to what I do, is super embarrassing to see the stuff that they've done on uh, not upholding freedom of expression. Like that's a basic human right that everyone needs to adhere to. Period. There should be no questions asked. You, if you lose freedom of expression, you lose your battle to fight for anything, ever. That's how important it is. Yeah, we're we're on the same page with that. While we're at this uh, UFC thing, Rob, can you play the clip with Dana White? Oh, you found the, oh, our that, friend here. Why don't we just wrap this up? It's a very emotional moment from the past, and Americans will appreciate it. Thank you to all of our partners. Oh my God, it's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the the crowd, let's go, Brandon. Brandon, you told me you were going to kind of hang back those first two stages and just watch and learn what... Even he's confused. He's looking at his face like, what is wrong with you? I found out that Miss South Carolina, if you remember that, she found a job. Rob, play this clip. So here it is. You know, this, this is following up with Strickland... When he gets up there and tells this reporter, when he's asking a question, saying, hey, would you be okay if your son was gay? So you never want to be a grandfather. I don't have a problem with that. And he says, you know, just 10 years ago when he asked him about Bud Light, he says 10 years ago being transgender was a mental disorder. What happened to you? What's wrong with you guys, right? And then he asks the question. I believe it may be the same reporter. Maybe it's another person asks Dana this question. Go ahead and play the clip. I could tell from the volume. You obviously give a long leash to your fighters about you know leash. what they can say when they are up there with a UFC microphone According and you are getting into territory homophobia, transphobia. Like, is there? I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you a leash. I'm st- like free speech. I control when, what people say. Going to tell people what to believe. Going to tell people. I don't fucking tell any other human being <laughs> what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes. Wow. On any of them. What is your question? <laughs> I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. Yeah, <laughs> probably a good idea. That's ridiculous to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. What a what a beautiful position. Him. How is this position controversial today, Vinny? I, I, well, controversial because think about every, everybody's owned. Like, the NFL yeah. is owned by, you know, all these different people, but Goodell's in front of it because they're selling to America. The fans of the UFC love that type of attitude. They love this type of guy. Did you see what Sean Strickland was? In? He was in Canada in front of that, you know, the press conference. They he showed love to Canada and they were going absolutely nuts for yeah, him. They loved but Patrick, him. I was at that, the press conference. That right there, Dana White. That you were at the press conference. I was at the one with Strickland, yeah. Where he was they were going crazy from yeah. the kid ran up on What him. did the guy look like? The reporter asking a question. Did he look like a regular guy? 
They everyone look, yeah. Right. No, no, but would, did he look like? Did he have like a rainbow beanie was on? Not, or, was so he an ally of the community? I was at the press conference where the kid came onto the stage. I wasn't at the press conference on okay. the prior day. Okay, I got so. you. Yeah. But don't you want to work? Like, think about this, because while that while yeah. that's happening, while that's going on, Dana White's just standing there at the podium, not saying anything. That's a grown man. He has his own voice. Like people, are like, well, it's a bad reflection of UFC. Guess who the UFC's full of? Guys that are trying to kill each other. Like, it's all right. Let them go. But why even get into this topic? We're at, we're at a sporting event. Like, why are these reporters even going there? Yeah. Like the, they have nothing what's else the to relevance to, to Sean Strickland and asking these questions? Like, Because all the other sports are going there. Rob, can you pull up what the NHL just announced they're doing? Have you seen what NHL is doing? No. Go NHL. Uh, and uh, hockey stick, what do you call it when you put a the tape wrapping, around wrapping the, the tape around the, the it, type in NFL, uh, NHL hockey stick, LGBTQ. Okay. Type in NHL hockey stick, LGBTQ. So can they, is there a video you can show? I mean, if you go at this point, Twitter doesn't work that way. Okay. Yeah. Look at that. So they're, they're putting stick, they're putting that wrap around all, they're all yeah, of them? so so then to the point where they have to sit there and talk about whether we keep this, we ban this. So every sport nowadays is trying to promote LGBTQ. So you know why why, why you know to, to their eyes, the reporters' eyes, you know uh, 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 Dana, how come you know you are allowing your guys to talk the way they do because it's reckless. You know Sean Strickland shouldn't be talking like that. That's what the reporters thinking about, right? Of course. So to to the reporters' eyes. It's normal. They like to put a leash on people. The same people that are anti-slavery, they're pro-leashes. <laughs> yeah. Tell me how that makes any sense. Yeah. Explain that to me, Mr. Reporter, educated guy that probably went to Columbia University. Mm-hmm. How are you anti-slavery, but you're pro- pro-leash? What's the big difference? It's the same exact thing. Yeah. But you just want him to agree with you. And that's just not Dana's MO. Dana's not going to do that. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that's going to... Sit there and say, guys, you guys want to say what you want to say? There could be consequences behind it. Good luck. Go ahead. That's yeah. called freedom of speech. It comes with consequences. Oh, exactly. Got to respect the guy like I that. I love it. Like Speaking of like sort of double standards, you brought up the United Nations. I'm not trying to throw you involved in, in anything geopolitical right now, but you brought up the 19th provision. What is it part of the you – know, I believe Article it's 19. Article, Article 19 of the Declaration of Human Rights. Which is interesting because I, I, what I would respect about Rumble is that you're a free speech absolutist, right? You believe in free speech. Here's Article 19. Everyone has the right for freedom of opinion and expression. This, this right includes freedom to hold opinions without interference and to seek, receive, and impart information ideas through any medium regardless of frontiers. I think we can fully agree upon that in America, Canada. But when you look at the list of countries that are part of the United Nations— a vast majority of the countries of the United Nations, they don't allow freedom of expression. Whether it's Cuba, whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's freaking in Romania. I don't know. Our friend Tate is sitting in a jail cell or is on house arrest because he can't say what he wants to say on Rumble, nonetheless. Oh, China. Um, China. I don't know if they're part of the United Nations, no doubt. Iran, Russia. So, again, not getting you involved in geopolitics, but we're talking about double standards here and people talking on both sides of their mouth. Yeah, I wish that they lived up to this. It's a human right. That's mm-hmm. the part that like gets me when you really realize this is like a human right. You know, everyone talks about human rights. Well, free expression, like free speech is a human right. You need that. You need that for, for any society that's going to, you know, for any kind of society that's going to push back on anything. Like how did we, how, how did the civil rights movements happen? How do all, how, how do women's rights movements happen? It all stems from free speech. The ability to express yourself and push back to try to make things better, mm-hmm. period. You can never get rid of that. You get rid of that, you get rid of 
all freedom. Like yeah. that's that's where it goes, and that's not acceptable. And you look at what happened in Harvard after everything with the DEI and all the, uh, the congressional testimonies. Harvard dead last. I don't know if you can pull this up, Rob. Dead last in freedom of speech and freedom of expression of any university in the country. Harvard. Like, how is that even possible? So it's happening not only in Iran and in Russia, but it's also happening on Harvardstown out here. Harvard Adam, gets worse. I got, worse I got a question for you. Sure. I got a question for you. Say you have kids today, mm-hmm. okay? And say your kid is, I'm actually curious to know what you're going to say. He's 17 years old. She's 17 years old. Smart like you, schooling, 4.3 GPA, let's just say, okay? SATs, out of 1,600, they each get 1,450. Just pick and choose who you got. Would you support your kids going to a Harvard today? Well, I think if you can get into Harvard, you capitalize on that opportunity. But I would think that most kids, I've said this a million times, we talked about this with Candace Owens, most kids should not just go directly into college. I think there should be some sort of, whether it's mandatory or obligatory or freedom, most kids should have to do one year of community service. In your eyes, even in your eyes, as much as you're trashing them, if your kid was accepted to go to Harvard, you would say you should never say no to Harvard. So, Tom, I want to come to you here. Not even necessarily Harvard. Any of those higher institutions of learning, you should consider attending. Even, okay. even after so what me, we just learned Let me ask you Harvard? a question. Here's a question. for. And by the way, yeah. let, me, let me explain to you why this is so important. Tom, your daughter gets a 1560 on SATs out of 1600. I don't know if you guys are at a point right now where you're announcing or you're comfortable talking about the school she got in or not. That's up to you. You tell me if you're comfortable or not. Okay. Because I think it's final, right? Okay, fantastic. So you didn't, and you guys for five years, I've heard you talk, and you would say, pen, pen, pen. She, could, she had a ticket to go to pretty much any school in America, 4.6 GPA, 4.56 GPA, 1560 on SATs out of 1600, golf, involved, smart, giving back. She's, she's a leader amongst leaders. But, but you told me the other day you guys didn't even choose to apply for her to go to University of Pennsylvania, Wharton. When did you guys make the decision to say, nope, the name doesn't matter as much as it did five, ten years ago? Well, things, anybody that um, follows the calendar, when you're the end of junior year, you have all your testing and everything comes down. Yeah. Now you put all that together. Yeah. And then the very beginning of senior year, the applications go in and ED, which um, – doesn't mean that big. Erectile dysfunction? No, no. It means early decision. Got it. And it, you'll get a decision back from the university by December 15th. If you say, if you accept me, I I will enroll in your university. So that's an ED application. It, it, it's, it gives you a higher chance of going in. So all those decisions are made on or around September 15th, October 1st. Okay. And you're clicking the mouse and putting it in there. And you're correct. We have been looking at... Uh, Penn Wharton for a long time. Wharton undergrad also has a minor in entrepreneurship, and then. But Tom, you didn't apply there. Why didn't, didn't you apply there? We, just, I was. Just, I'm just looking for that answer because oh, I, I, I was I, alarmed. I was alarmed of what was happening. I was. I'm sorry. I was taking you, too long. You're to giving me like a college planning for my no, 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 kids. But I'm just asking. I'm just looking up ED there. at this as point the, in my life. I don't want that. as the excessive level. Look, you knew college campuses were liberal, but as the excessive wave of of wokeness was coming across, I was looking at it and I'm like, I'm, we're not doing that. You know, yeah. we're, we're sorry, we're we're not doing that. And it, and by the way. Six weeks after we make the decision, in the middle of the ED window, what happens in front of the congressional hearing? 
It's like, well, there you go. And there's the president. Was that the decision you guys made? You have a choice, Tom. We have a choice, and we chose, we pulled back from Wharton. You pulled back from Wharton. Interesting. And you, you put your kid, your daughter in. And she also had a, a selected major. She wanted to study sports analytics, STEM, and she wanted to study sport management, double major, and she picked the best best college in the country for that. Well, Can I say it, or are you keeping yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Rice University That's where so she's going, which is exciting. Yeah. She got accepted early decision. We're waiting she's on that answer. Um, Brown we Rice were in or? Aspen when the dean, when the, 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 was it the dean, or who was it that spoke dean to the president to her, that right? spoke to her? No, the dean. Yeah, the dean of the college. Yeah. You know when's the last time a dean of a college spoke to me? Probably on a podcast. (laughs) We had him on here as a guest. There is no dean talking to us because, Tom, we don't do stuff like this, Tom. Look at me. We don't do stuff like this. Yeah, the tassel. You know what I'm saying, Rob? You understand what I'm saying? I want to make it very clear because that's just a unique community that knows what that means. People like us. We, we think you're know. doing this as like a hey. dance or maybe like, a, you know, different kind of gang signs you're throwing. Let, let, me, let me flip it on you, people, yeah, because go you've got Here we four go. kids. Here yes. we go. Well, I was, at, I was just at uh, our friend Keith's house for yeah. Thanksgiving, right? One of his How's nephews. He he's awesome. He's still he's got the, the big calves. Huge calves. Yeah. Doing his thing. You know, he's flying on his private jet to Aspen doing his things. Thanks, Keith. Um, one of his nephews was there. Absolute stud. And Keith went to Cornell, major hospitality school. Do you know they're in the hospitality industry? Thinking community, yeah. Okay, Exactly. That's big in the hospitality. Yeah. But he also got accepted to University of Florida. University of Florida is run by now Ben Sass, who was a former senator, Nebraska, I believe. The point is this. He's actually deciding between not going to Cornell, um, which is number one for this particular field, and going to Florida, even though it's, you know, Ben Sass is very kind of spoke out about this. But the point is, I think where you're going is that people are now maybe not considering going to Penn and they're going to go to Rice. People are not considering not going to Car- Cornell and they're considering going to University of Florida when you have kids. We all know that Dylan's going to get some sort of sports thing and uh, and, and Tico's going to be directing movies and and, uh, and Brooklyn- Santa's going to be cheerleading and Brooklyn's going to be uh, cholo dancing, you know, and she's going to... Lean like a cholo, Lean to like be specific. Cholo. That's Lean her like favorite song right now. How are you going to process what schools to, to send your kids to and what advice do you have for the people out there? Because if your kid's getting to Harvard, you got to consider that, No. No, not for me. When I saw that day, I'm telling you, I said it to the face of the doctor that was here, you know, Josh, John Abramson. We had a very good conversation with him. And he is a guy that sits on the, you know, one of the boards in Harvard. I said the day in Harvard when I was at the OPM program, when I saw what they did when Hillary and Trump were campaigning, I was in Harvard that day. I was in the school for three weeks for an executive education program. And I saw 100% of professors at Harvard were rooting for Hillary, not one was rooting for Trump, I realized that school doesn't believe in debate. Mm. No, they believe in uh, uh, get locked into one side of the community, and that's it. They do not believe in debate. And that's when I'm like, now my kids, they need to go to a place where it's at least 50-50. I want to be at a place where it's 50-50, where you can get both sides of the argument, and you learn if you know how to debate and process issues. By then, we would make the decision. Now, Dylan doesn't want to go to college because Dylan wants to go play sports straight. He just wants to go straight and play you know, he wants to go Manchester United. He wants to do that. Obviously, he's 10 years old. He's, you know, yesterday he was doing a baseball trial. We'll see what's going to happen with that. Dylan's saying that today. Tico wants to take a year off before he goes to college. I love him. He says, I want to work for, you know, doing certain things and then seeing if I even need to go to college, then I will. Smart. Now, the kid is 11 years old. You know how much is going to change in the next seven years? Mm-hmm. He's got an uncle like Tom Ellsworth. You know, he's going to have these guys that are going to talk to him. But for us... Yes, we are very protective of no debate. We believe in debate. I'm not going to send my kids to a place that there is zero debate 
taking place and it's all one-sided. That's not, that's not going to be beneficial for them. So, no, I wouldn't be doing it. I'm not turned on by Harvard, what they're doing. I think it's a shit show there. I think they've lost credibility. I think it's absolute insult to debate in any university that you consider yourself a university, yet, you know, the, the debate is taking place and us students are sitting there watching. You're only clapping. 300 people who are working there, they're only clapping for Hillary. Not one person was voting for, mm-hmm. uh, uh, rooting for Trump. I don't need you to root for Trump, but I need you to be 50-50, 60-40 for us to... But how, to, how do you change that at this point? You saw that they fired Claudine Gay, the, the president of the school. They've done the same thing fake. with Penn. She's still a producer. You got Bill Ackman out there you know, putting his money against it. Yeah. Does it come down to basically the big donors and the endowment people being like, fuck you, I'm out, now, and then this all isn't of a sudden a light Harvard switch. changing? Look, it's not a light switch. You know, you, It's not a flip of a switch. It's not a vote. It's not anything like that. It is so ingrained and indoctrinated. I mean, you even see that there's some well-intended efforts that are going on. You can go to penforward.com. There's a lot of professors that are out there putting their name on a position and say that Penn needs to get back to the following things. You know, um, you, you know, university neutrality, you know, fostering civil debate from both sides, tolerance, understanding that the price of free speech is free speech. Mm-hmm. That's the price of free speech is free speech is hearing something that, that you may not like. And there's laws against incenting riots and civil disobedience, but there is no law against free speech. But now there's all these mores and folkways and things that people are trying to enforce on it. But Tom, to you're going to hurt people's feelings talking like that. That's the whole point. No, Tom, That's you can't hurt point. people's feelings. Liberalism is based Stop on it. feelings. No, Chris, you got a family. How do you process this? So I was, uh, I went to University of Toronto and I dropped out. Um, yes. So I'm not a huge advocate of the, of the whole school system to begin with. Uh, I think it was like second or third year. I was building internet websites back in 2000, 2001. And I, uh, started making good money doing that and, uh, saw no need for, for the school. I, I was always against it too. Like I, I never really kind of liked that that way of learning. I was always more of a self teacher, kind of researching and doing things on my own. And uh, the politics involved with it now has just gone to a point where I, I it was I was annoyed at it back then. I can't even imagine right now. So, not an advocate for it. I, I think uh, you, the real world teaches you bigger lessons and more lessons, and you learn a lot more out there uh, doing real things than than going and sitting in front of a teacher that's gonna tell you what to think at this point of your life is there anything harvard can do to get you to go back to college i i think like <laughs> seeing harvard on your resume is like i i does not do anything yeah i mean look uh, it, it, it's interesting to say that because for the longest time all we thought about was what harvard life, right yeah. and we, we listen we got a couple harvard guys here i was just gonna and say they're, they're, we've got some friends no, I'm serious, we got a couple harvard guys here, here. let's not well, kind of boring in his nose and he has, <laughs> He has green hair, and he's like, well, just different. Whatever, dude. No, no, but, it, but the point is, but the point is, it's funny that today's leaders at Harvard have changed the reputation of what it maybe once was that I wouldn't know about. Because when I think about Harvard or some of these schools, you think debate. I judge a great school based on debate. If you don't have the ability to reason in a school as a professor, you're not a college. It's lip service. You just get – this is why when we had the great uh, um, Joe Jorgensen – Legendary podcast. <laughs> what you're laughing about? Oh, I'm sorry. I just, uh, 
It was the my bad. <clears throat> Joe Jorgensen. Well, we Joe Jorgensen on. I mean, you I, only ruined her entire career no, I, on I, that I, day. That, that's not called me ruining. No, it. no, no. She, yeah. Matter of fact, you know what? If you want to bring it up, Rob, go ahead and bring it up. This is what college will do to you sometimes. Pull up YouTube and go type in Jorgensen and Please. type in Bed David. Please. Have you ever seen this or no? I've oh, seen it. Like, okay, I have him. to see it again now. It's the greatest. I don't know why you guys brought it history. up. Why would Chris bring this up? I mean, we've already over. Chris brings it up right now. Mavlovsky. Not necessary, Chris, to do that. But go ahead and open this up. Go ahead and open this up. Right, so so there's ah, Tony. Okay, oh, no, that's Manalapan. By the way, you can tell from the house that's beautiful Manalapan house. Okay, go back a little bit and watch the question being asked. This is what happens. Go all the way to the beginning and press play. And Rob, I give you permission to play this. Yeah, I was go ahead. Ask, but go make sure you get yourself, who have you debated? Who's been your toughest debate ever? Oh my. I mean, that's 10 seconds already. I didn't feel that any of my debates were tough. I've only, I, I'm, yeah. Uh, who <laughs> killed debated? it. That's our president right there. In 1996, I was in the third party debate when I debated the Green Party, Constitution Party, and, and those. Uh, in March, before the nomination, I was also in a third-party debate where I sat next to the Green Party um, nominee and a few other people. And then, of course, the debates within the Libertarian Party. But when's the last time you had a really tough debate against a non-Libertarian? When is the last well, time you had a... Well, it was pretty easy uh, debating the Green Party candidate, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, let me continue. Uh, when is the last time you had a debate with continue. a non-libertarian or non-green party? When is the last time you had a debate with somebody that was non-libertarian, non-green? Well, an official debate, like I said, it would be in the nomination process. It's going to go not. like this for a few minutes. Uh, what, were, was, what were you going for with that right there? Just showing that she just doesn't no, debate? No, what I'm going with this is these liberal universities that don't have any debate, they're no longer universities. All they are is somebody's coming up to give a speech, and they go home. That's it. And these professors don't get pushed because, God forbid, you push them. They go in an echo chamber, and everybody agrees with everybody. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I'm on a Twitter X, okay, in perfect transition into this. And this is minutes after Ron DeSantis steps down, suspends his campaign, and he endorses President Trump, okay? So I get a message from Mario Nafal. Hey, would you be willing to do a Twitter Spaces Live right now? I thought it was going to be 10, 15 minutes. An hour later, I'm still on having a conversation with these guys, questions being asked, and everybody was pushing. What about this? And what about that? And what about it's the debate, discourse, it's risk because it's open. Anybody can ask any questions. And it was phenomenal hmm. because either I'm wrong or I'm right, but I'm going to give you my views and you make a decision for what you want to do. Can you play the clip of Ron DeSantis announcing that he is no longer going to be campaigning? And again, I'm not trying to be funny or disrespectful. I have not seen this man this happy in eight months, okay, and relieved. Go ahead and play this. Look how happy he looks. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic 
and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard. So we have a nice conversation. You know, I don't know if I agree with this. I don't know if I agree with that. This Tulsi thing. I don't like Trump. It was awesome. It was phenomenal. That's the beautiful thing about having people you can have a conversation they can agree with. That is my number one reason why I don't support today's educational system. It's because there's no debate. Everybody has to. Everybody who sits together and sits there and they agree and that's it. You know, we bring people here from the left, from the right. My favorite conversations sometimes are people I disagree with. Literally, my favorite conversations of all time are people I disagree with. And we disagree. I mean, think about it. He doesn't see the same as me. He doesn't see, like if you're just sitting there, everybody's kissing each other's butt, and it's an echo chamber. Where are we? How are we moving forward? Where nobody's bumping heads to figure it out because that they're gonna think they're the way that they're gonna think. You're gonna way they're. Uh, well, let's that go way. into this then. So, what, yeah. so thoughts on DeSantis stepping down? You know, and how he did it. And, you know, obviously a lot of people are saying, what could he have done differently and all this stuff? I'm not here to talk about that. We talked about that on the last podcast. Now that he stepped down endorsing Trump, doing what he's doing, uh, what do you think he's going to be doing next himself, uh, Ron DeSantis? Do you think he'll be out there? Well, we'll see him before November, him and Trump on stage to get an actual like a endorsement endorsement? Or you think this is the closest he's going to get to Trump? I kept my commitment. I signed the pledge. I'm doing this, and this is it. That's a good question. Um, will he get on the stage with Trump? I I think so. You think he will? Yeah. Okay. You're you're pretty optimistic that that's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Tom. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to say one thing about uh, DeSantis. Sorry, you want to tell me you want to go first? I'll I'll I'll, I'll give me get my thoughts real quick. I'm 75 percent that he'll get on stage because. He's got to line up with it. He's got a lot of donors that are going to say, "Ron, come on, come back, Ron, come, come on, back, come back home, and let's and let's do this." And I think there's seventy five percent chance that he would be on stage doing a thumbs up on a line there at the uh, convention, standing behind a mm-hmm. candidate. I look at this two ways: short term and long term. Short term, um, he made a decision to run to the right of Trump. You saw him when he'd go on that paperwork, and he said, this is how we're going to get beat him. We can't beat him from the left. Nikki Haley, on the other hand, has made a decision to run in a more moderate, corporate left of Trump. So and we, we kind of busted her proverbial balls uh, when we see, she said it's a two-man race at this point. That was after Iowa when she finished third. Reality is it is a two-man race because we said on the broadcast here Friday, I go, Ron's got three more days until he drops out, or it's going to be 30 more days. Turns out, boom, he dropped out in two days. Breaking news on Sunday morning. So... Where, what do I mean by this? Nikki's still in it. I think she's going to be finished after New Hampshire. It's going to be abundantly clear that by South Carolina comes back, which is in uh, mid to late February, the 20th, I believe. If she doesn't win her home state, she's done. She's finished. But she might take some of Ron DeSantis' vote. But what I think is good for DeSantis long term in 2028, once Trump finishes his presidency, if he is that guy this time, he can position himself right neck and neck with Ramaswamy. Now, we all know that we like Ramaswamy a little bit better than but Ron, but the numbers show a different thing. More people are willing to vote for Ron DeSantis at this point. But MAGA, the Republicans, the conservatives, the people who make up the base, they are officially done with Nikki. She's pandered the Democrats. She's pandered the independents. We'll see how that works out in New Hampshire. But Nikki is done if it doesn't work out in 2024, which I don't think it will. But DeSantis has a chance in 2028. I think, I think this reconfirmed my initial assessment, which was, Especially with how happy he was, because at the beginning of this video, he was he was glowing with happiness. Because we fast forwarded it, that his wife, I think his wife or somebody, pretty sure it was her that was like, "You can do it. You're gonna run. 
Trump is going to get arrested. They're going to indict him. He's going to be in jail. He's like, and that was the that was the honey in his ear. That's your and path. I, so. Sweet. That, that, I can't path, wait sweetie. for Ron DeSantis to pull a Will Smith on you and say, keep my <laughs> wife's name out of your mouth, yeah, guess, guess what? I swing back, though. But anyway, um, but, but look, look, hold on, Pat. Could you, can you show, look, at, look how happy that little gipper is. Look That's how happy he is. Look you. how happy. I would kick off those boots and just be like, God, Listen, after you, spend, after you spend $100 million of other people's no. money and you don't owe a penny back, you're going to smile I'm too. I'm so happy you said that too. If you think about this, we all knew, everybody in this room, besides that, that, that witch hunt that they're doing, Trump was going to be the front runner, this polls, everything. This guy spent over $160 million. How much has Nikki spent? $100 how much? Q, Q4, she raised 24. I don't know how much okay, let's say, let's, I, I heard 60-something to 100. Yeah. That's $250 million of money. You already knew you weren't going to win. I think they could have spent that money a lot better to do a lot better for the state, mm-hmm. your state, homelessness, veterans. That's money down the drain. There's no way you thought you were going to beat this well, guy. If you're, Period. If, if you're shocked now, wait till no, the actual general not- election when they start spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions. Yeah, but... For a but potential Trump, losing campaign. Yeah. Well, what were so, you going to say, Tom? You don't think that that's... No, because that's not, the, that's not the way politics works. You round up your donors and you take a shot. Heavy is the head that wears a crown. You take a shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you got together in the beginning, what would rational, let's just say rational thinkers that are purely logic, said to Barack Obama, you're running against... Wait a minute, you're running against Hillary Clinton? Are you seriously going to do this? Mm-hmm. Are you going to waste my money? No, that's not the way it works. They come together and said, I believe I have a chance. I believe I can take a message to people. I'm going to go do it. Um, how much How much you think is them coming to the candidate versus the candidate going and saying, I believe I have a chance? As soon as the candidate raises his hand, you have all those advisors. We've had people in this room that know that system very well, and they say there's a lot of high-end, million-dollar advisors and strategists that come in because there is an industry there where people make their bones and make a living doing this. And I also think that the RNC and the DNC have short lists and people want to come forward and they want to run the primary. I think it's a little of both. You know, I think there's emissaries. Hey, um, what would you think about uh, running for Senate after your governorship? We're going to have an open seat here. There's a lot of strategy that's on that. A huge amount of strategy is on the seat base because of the votes in the Senate and in the um, in the in the People's House, the House of Representatives. A huge amount of strategy. This is Pat. You, you're you're coming up at the end of your your governor's run here. Um, you're going to have term limits here in Oklahoma. Look, we have an open Senate seat. We need a strong player in that. What do you say? And I, that happens every day. But on the for the presidency. You know, a lot of times people raise their hands and crowds of folks come to help them do that and, and come to them. What do you think, Chris? So, you know, I remember it was like a couple of years ago. Um, there was like a lot of momentum for DeSantis. And you probably all felt it. You, you heard it. And, you know, particularly you would see it on you'd see it on Twitter, on X. You, you would really feel like, you know, there was there was this momentum. But like owning Rumble. And seeing all the creators on Rumble, there was the one thing that was like super consistent on Rumble all the way through for, you know, from 2020 till now is that there was just an immense amount of momentum for Trump and it never, ever stopped. Never. Um, You'd go to Twitter and you'd kind of see a different perspective, but 
on Rumble. And I, I think this is kind of one of the things people underappreciate about Rumble is the influence that it has with the creators that are on there. That never changed. Now, like, obviously, there's a lot of creators on Rumble that were for DeSantis. There's a lot of creators that are for Trump on Rumble. It was a very diverse crowd. But the numbers, the large numbers, were watching the Trump stuff. And it never wavered. It, it's, some, it's something that I found very unique. I remember telling people that there's, you know, I, I, I don't think, based on what I can see on Rumble, there's, the, the, there's nothing slowing down uh, on the Trump side ever. Um, and I think that was like a very unique perspective because if you go on if you go on X, you would have saw something else. If you read the newspapers, you'd see something else. But uh, there was a movement there that's that's never gone away, not even close. Can I ask you a quick question on that? <clears throat> you see numbers. There's a lot of people that are out there that said the moment that the indictments came down, that there was a spike for Trump because there was a core of the Republican voter bloc that was incensed. I'm sure you've heard those stories, too. Yeah. Did you see it in the viewership stats? Okay, so you're obviously going to get viewership on events. But, like, you know, Truth Truth Social uses Rumble's cloud as well. They use our, our Rumble ads um, as well. And, you know, the users never left. They Whether you'd see a spike because of an event, it, it didn't. It didn't move the dial in the overall scheme of things. Like, they, they, never, they never left, and they've always been there since, since day one. I mean, look, let's let's talk. Let's talk the VP side. OK, so yesterday while we're doing a conversation, you know, guys were asking, who do you think could be the VP? And the conversation came about Vivek versus uh, uh, what do you call it? Tulsi Gabbard. And, uh, uh, you know, who would be the better match and who would be a better opportunity for this, et cetera. And I thought Tulsi would. You know, I gave my thoughts on Tulsi versus Vivek. And then all of a sudden, Sebastian Gorka jumps on and says, you know, the, the vice president's already been chosen. Mm. And we already know who it is. It's not who you guys saying. It's not going to be Tulsa. And he didn't have nice things to say about Tulsi. And, you know, the Trump announced that it's not going to be Vivek as VP. There's a story in here. Vivek out of Trump's VP's shortlist, right? Vivek Ramaswamy out of Trump's uh, uh, shortlist, meaning he, he, it could be on the shortlist, meaning he is on the list. Forgive me. I didn't say he's not on it. So, um but then Sebastian said, it's somebody that's been campaigning. This person's from New York. Tom, you remember the list? This person's from New York. They're a politician. Great American, a patriot, um, uh, ex, or a, a ex-politician for yeah. the moment. Yeah. Right? And um, a great New Yorker. Right. Great New Yorker. That's, and Sebastian Gorka went down a list. This is not interpreting. This is what he was saying that's emphatically. Right. And this guy says, well, you know, what about someone like Tulsi? I said he, and he was very clear right. about he that. He was very clear about that. And a and MAGA I, supporter. And then I posted uh, immediately afterwards, seeing Lee Zeldin, if you want to go to Twitter, Rob, Lee Zeldin campaigning with Trump. I posted that video, and I said, could Lee Zeldin be Trump's VP choice? So From happy. New York. He's so happy. Been campaigning, formidable, very smart. And guess who retweets it? Sebastian Gorka retweets it Weird. Huh. right after the Twitter space with, you know, over half a million people that were on the Twitter space uh, that listened the entire time we were on. If you go a little lower, look who comments right at the top. The answer. Roger no. <laughs> Roger. Roger. <laughs> so, no. you know, when you look at this, there's a couple things that comes to my mind. Here's what it is. Who has more influence on the inside? Who is closer to the president? Is it Sebastian? 
Is it Roger? Is it somebody else? Or is it misdirection for everybody in the world? For instance, when I would announce a speaker for the event, I would never tell anybody on the inside who the speaker was because most people cannot keep a speaker to an event. So one time I'm like, guys, this next person we're going to announce to this event, you guys are going to lose it. It's going to be amazing. This place is going to go nuts when you guys hear it and da-da-da-da. And one guy says, Pat, I think I know who it is because I know who would lose it. You had James Worthy. You had Magic. I think it's Kobe. So at this point, I'm like, I'm like, listen, Kobe. You know, Obviously, this is the late Kobe Bryant. I said, Kobe would never do an event, okay? And if Kobe did, you know his schedule, how busy is this, how many different places he has to be? So that's a misdirection for Smart. the audience to be like, oh, it's for sure not Kobe. And then you, you automatically put yeah. that person out of the list. And then three months later, you say, and our keynote speaker is Kobe Bryant, Kobe right? Bryant. So could it be the fact that everybody is trying to miss I love the look on your face right now. If we played <laughs> poker, it was a very interesting look. Could it be the fact that there's a lot of, you know, some people know, but they have to act like they don't know. Some people don't know, but they have to act like they know to be part of the cool crowd. No one knows who knows and who doesn't know. No one knows who's trying to get cool points, and no one knows who's acting dumb. Yeah. So how do you decipher between all this BS and the reality of it? It's just you have to, you know, play the odds and see if you're playing poker. Does a guy have, you know, 210? Does he have a pocket aces? Does he, you know, running for flush? What is he doing? No one knows. But what do you think about the chances of Lee Zeldin as a VP candidate for Trump? Well, I don't know Lee that well, and, uh, you know, this isn't uh, my forte of uh of, of you're work. on all of these guys, Chris. These, all these guys know who you are. I mean, it's, you, you're, you, we, we have a top 50 list of power players we made this year. <laughs> Not only were you on that list, but also Rumble was on that list, and Dan Bongino was on that list, I believe. So some of we, we, we put three of you on. I think it's two or three of you guys that was on that list. Do you think there's any chance of Zeldin being, uh, being the VP? I think there could be a chance. I think that uh, I, I'm not sure who it is, and um, you know, I think there's a lot of good people out there that could be that pick. But uh, anybody I, you like, who do you like? Who do I like? You know, I've, I've been asked that question a few times. It's like, it's that's a tough one. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, you got to really know the person to to want to get behind someone. I, I don't really know. Like, I, for example, I don't know Lee Zeldin. I, I don't I don't know a lot of these a lot of these people. So. Um, like you think Dave Rubin would make a good VP? Like is that something? Because you know Dave, right? Would you say Dave? Would you say Viva Frey? Would you say <laughs> you know who else would it be? No, People that you know. I, I don't think I'm good a good person to to make that choice or to even you know have a good opinion on it. It's a uh, heck. I'm a Canadian. I can't even vote in the election. So yeah, but you, you know, can you can Canadian. you can uh, uh, you can give thoughts that you may have. Tom, what what do you think about Lee Zeldin? Do you think? Do you okay? Maybe let me ask the question in this way, mm-hmm. okay? And and this one's going to be an interesting question to ask. So let's not start a fight, but it's probably going to start a fight. Okay, you have multiple choice, okay, to answer the question. It's a quiz you take. It's not a big deal, but it's a multiple choice. Adam, I want you to think about this one as well. Who? What are the chances of who the VP will be? Okay, um, Sebastian Gorka knows better on who the VP is. Roger Stone knows on who the VP is. They're both on the same team, and they're trying to confuse everybody. And last but not least, nobody knows. Multiple choice. A, B, C, or D. Gorka, Stone, both of them know. No one knows. Last one. (laughs) 
No one knows. You said which one? No one knows. Said last I'm on, one. I, I agree with D right yeah. now. So where are you at, Tom? I'm on D. Um, <clears throat> it's really tough because we, we know Roger and we know Gorka. He just gave a very good speech at Oxford, by the way. I love Powerful. that. Oh, my gosh. Speech. Yeah. So who do you, who do you, who, which strategist. one do you think it is? A, then, B, C, or D? Gorka, Stone, they both know. Nobody knows. Don't, think, don't let Chris and Adam change your... No, uh, I, I think they both know, and they're not so saying anything C. about it. And by the way, they're both big-time political operatives. So if there was going to be a misdirection and they were going to disagree with each other yeah. publicly, I think, they, I think that would be a pretty good misdirection. Mm. But I'll tell you, I think... Sebastian Gorka would be really going out over his skis if he's going out in public and laying out those. I mean, he basically said Lee Zeldin without saying Lee Zeldin. He gave so many specific facts. But was he told told to say that? Because we talked about this how many times to get the female vote that we were talking about in all those places. Mm -hmm. It only makes sense if he goes for just an average white guy. The left is, which who gives a shit at this point, but they're going to lose their mind. White guy. So you're racist. saying Mike Pence is an above average black guy? Yeah. Well, the fly in his head was black. Well, so if we're going to be honest, look, with I, we're assuming that it's Lee Zeldin. It could be Rudy Giuliani, guys. You said a former great New Yorker. No, he made it clear it's okay. not Giuliani. It's not. Anyway, I don't think. I, and by the way, he also said it's not Stefanik because somebody else. He said a guy, a man. Right. But he also said uh, former. She's current. She's a congresswoman. But if you look at traditional politics, it makes zero sense to to take a guy out of New York. The reason that he ran with Pence was to get the white Christian evangelical vote out of Indiana and the Midwest because that was a state that was early, that, that environment is looking to win. Here, New York is voting blue regardless. Getting someone like Lee Zeldin on the ticket that has zero name recognition other than the people in New York makes actually virtually no sense. It's not going to basically you know, get the base fired up. If Trump could run, he would run with Trump. And Trump as the VP, if he has a name, like that's how, like we putting his his names on on buildings Trump, on Trump. casinos, Trump, Trump. just Trump, Trump, twenty twenty four. We all know that, but I think the bigger picture here is whoever he chooses is going to have an automatic path to the White House for the next eight years. So when I talk about when we talk about like un, he talks about loyal, I need loyalty, Ron DeSanctimonious, not loyal. He's going to have to have someone that is undoubtedly loyal to the Trump brand, and that he's not going to pull uh, on the last day of the uh, 2028 of Mike Pence and be like, oh, well, I was just kidding. I'm actually not on Team Trump. So I think he's got a very tough so decision to make. where are you going make. with this? Do you have a I don't think or... it's Lee Zeldin. I don't think that it makes any sense for it to Lee, Lee Zeldin. I think that Vivek Ramaswamy is who the people want. Give them what they want. Or I also think you get a pretty person like Christy Noem in the mix that could give her that, that can give some... I heard some... some I heard there's no way Christy Noem's going to... I was at Trump International, not to toot my own horn, Tom, but to to. You spoke um, with the no, bellman at Trump International. No, I, spoke with that, I spoke with Let everybody. Let no, 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 no. I no, not at all. Yeah. Okay. There's some secrets, but I, I mean, I talked to a lot of people there. I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I would I don't see it being Lee Zeldin, but I do think that Sebastian and Martin are a little a loop de loop. Real they talk: know. Have you ever heard of Lee Zeldin's name before? No, this I've, week? I've seen his face in Congress, but never. But why? He looked way face. too giddy. Well, he, he ran for governor giddy. against against uh, against Kathy Holcomb. He did all right in New York, right? But uh, he's the guy that lost, right? So okay. I don't see so it. since since our friend Chris here is not going to say anything about politics, let's just do other topics. Let's okay. do something because it's either yes or no. Or I don't know. Answers. <laughs> well, I, I answered that. I, D. I, I said I'm, D. I'm going to. I'm going to say you, I agree. Agree. And I agreed right, with Let's Chris go on. to the next one. Here we go. With a big a, sigh. <laughs> a a pay per view Super Bowl 
It may happen sooner than you think. Former ESPN president John Skipper suggested the idea of making the Super Bowl a pay-per-view event, stating if half the households are willing to pay $20 to have a party at their house, it will still get you into the billions of dollars for a single game. The NFL's experiment with pay-to-watch playoff football on Peacock resulted in over 23 million viewers becoming the most viewed watch live streaming event in U.S. history and accounting for 30% of Internet traffic that night. That is insane. Wow. Charging $99 per pay-per-view, per viewer for the Super Bowl could potentially generate $6 billion in revenue for the NFL, which is comparable to or even exceeds the annual revenue of other major sports like NHL and Major League Baseball. Okay, Tom. Do you think there's an argument here that the NFL may be doing a Super Bowl pay-per-view in the next three to five years? Uh, <clears throat> not three years, because I think the contracts are out there. However, I think Skipper, Skipper knows who he's talking about. Um, I've not met John. I knew other people at ESPN because I built NFL Mobile back in uh, 2007, 8, and 9. Um, and... I would say in the next five years, is there a chance that in five years it could be pay-per-view? I think that's very possible. We've talked at length what's happening to cable viewership. We talk what's happening to traditional TV. We see what's happening with events that are going on alternative platforms. We see that Peacock put a single NFL playoff game out there, basically causing it to be pay-per-view because everybody bought Peacock for a day. I did, and then canceled it. Yes, I did. And and so now I'm on their list. So I think that those kind of things are tests. That became a test for NBC. Hey, you know what? We put one NFL game out here. We got 10 bucks for how many people for a divisional walk for a wild card game? I think in the next, will it happen in five years? No. Will we see an announcement within five years of that happening? I think absolutely. Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think do you think it's going to happen? So, is the number the, the number I saw was twenty three million watched? Right. Right. The Peacock. question the, the the number one question here is how many signed up for that event? How many you mean how many stayed on? It, it, well, first, how many new customers did they get? Rob, can you see event? if that says is it? That, is that out there? Yeah, I, I don't know if they have reported that. Because that's going to inherit all the previous customers they already had. And the question is, how many people with their cable packages already had access to Peacock um, to begin with? So in order to properly like look at it, I think... Okay, so check this out. The game averaged 23 million viewers, according to Nielsen. Not bad for a streaming service with only 30 million subscribers. So, so they only have 30 million... So what's their net new? So their net new, let's say maybe half that possibly. That's still but, a big number. Oh no, though. it's 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 a very big number, and they're paying what? I think it can go up to ten. Hundred ten million. They say. Oh yeah, yeah. It can go all the way up to. Let's look up Peacock uh, membership price. What is Peacock's membership price? I Rob? think they have Any- a couple tiers: one with ads and one without ads. Okay. okay. And, and how brilliant is it too, Chris? That that's it's the Chiefs, it's Taylor Swift, it's what's his name, and those fans. We're definitely downloading or getting it just to watch her on the field. Yeah, you're right? you're going to get a whole new customer base because of yeah, this. Yeah. So, it, it, it's an, a very interesting test. But here's what's going on: the war for live sports has begun. NFL on YouTube, like, what do they what do they commit? Twelve billion dollars over a certain amount of years. Um, even Rumble, for example, we went and bid on Slap. We went and bid and got Nitro Rallycross and Street League skateboarding. 
the war for live sports is is finally here and it's now you know it's becoming uh, it's becoming a war against uh, cable television all these streaming platforms don't be surprised to see Netflix jumping into this would you pay 110 million uh, for an NFL game on Rumble would that be a worthy number for you? It, we would have to metric it out, and these are, this is how we would do it. Just the way we're looking is like, how many net new can you get, and and what does that look like? If it if they got twenty three million new subs and they're paying an average of uh, ten dollars, two hundred yeah, them now. That would that's be the case. Yeah, that's that's worth it. Or you maybe if you do twenty three million, <clears throat> let's just say they got twenty five percent new, five let's say six million, you're paying six bucks on average. That's thirty six million. But if they if half of them stay on for six months, I, I mean that you're you're risking a little bit. But long term, it has to be either a minimum break even or, you know, a, a number of users that don't cancel and they keep it. Well, well let's let's put Crowder in in perspective. Stephen Crowder's on Rumble, yeah. um, and he drove seven and a half million dollars in subscription revenue in his first five months. That's publicly available. That's just one show. What he does is he does an hour live on Rumble, and then he takes the the final half hour live on locals. Um, the NFL can drive certainly way more numbers than that. And, the, and I, I think it's very possible, like with this model. The thing is, though, when you have too many people buying too many different things, it becomes so fragmented, you really, it, it, gets, it gets a lot more difficult. But uh, for the NFL, that, that's, a real, that's a real draw. That's a real pull. You, you know, what's interesting is the NFL, excuse me, YouTube didn't just buy the NFL. They bought what was left of Sunday Ticket, and now it's Sunday Ticket on, on YouTube TV. And you have to remember what, what happened. Sunday Ticket. Rob, run a poll. I don't original. want to interrupt. Rob, run a poll. Would you pay $99 to watch Super Bowl on pay-per-view? I already did. Um, what's the number right now? Right now, 93% said no. I, I don't know if I believe it. Uh, I don't know. If, but by the way, you know, out of the 93%, the question would be how many of you guys would go to a friend's house who did order it? I mean, that's the – go ahead. Exactly. So the, the case study that people look to is how DirecTV was made by NFL Sunday Ticket. That was the only place you could get it, $269 a year. I remember this by heart. And you got everything. And then the NFL did its own channel. And then the NFL did Thursday night. And then the NFL did Sunday night on uh, national broadcast NBC. And, 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 and. And what happened is there was a dilutive effect on Sunday ticket. And at the same time, there was a cable and satellite roll off because infrastructure providers. Yeah. And so DirecTV started sagging and said, I, sorry, I'm out. I can't, I can't renew this. And now you're seeing the fragmentation of it. And the MLB did it last year. They pulled, you're paying for MLB. I pay for the full MLB TV package. And all of a sudden, there's games that have been pulled out, premier matchups during the week that are now on Sunday night on, on um, ESPN or in a regional where you couldn't get it. And you're like, wait a minute, what just happened here? And so... Chris is right. The war has just started, and guess what? The players in the war do not care that, well, people probably will be upset because they already are buying three or four services. No, they don't care. That's not their concern. Their concern is monetizing the live sports event. Live sports has advertising that pencils out because you don't, you don't we used to say, you know, TiVo or DVR, but you don't fast forward through ads on live sports. You're watching live sports. Yep. You watch the ads. So exactly. the advertising take and the advertising yield on live sports is 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 perfect, and so I I and they don't they're 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 interested in monetizing and I think you're going to see it and I think you're already starting to see little islands in the stream form as that uh, what do they say 
finding little rocks in the stream that they're going to be stepping on to walk all the way across the river. I agree with Chris. I think the war for live sports is completely on. And then at the forefront of the entire war is the NFL. I think at this point we're, we're completely comfortable with calling the NFL complete greedy corporate capitalists. And I don't, I don't mean that as a mad way, uh, in a bad way. I think they're just trying to make that money. We saw them increase the NFL season from 16 games to 17 games, 17 games a season. How much money does that make more for, for the league? We're starting to see these games pop up on Amazon or on Peacock. Like they're going to go after the money and they'll probably make a move towards this Super Bowl thing or whatever. They don't mind getting convincing people to start spending more money. What I do think that they should be very weary of is getting back into the social justice movement, which lo- which worked very uh, not well for them during the Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick days. So what we're starting to see now is you see it all the NFL games is end racism. Sure. Cool. All right. That, I agree. But now you're here for the Super Bowl this upcoming year, which is in, what, two, three weeks away? Uh, now they're going to have the Black National Anthem sung before the National Anthem. So that's, that just starts a whole slippery slope. Like, don't abandon your base, which are just Americans, you know, because the, the, the natural argument would be, all right, so you got the Black National Anthem, then, you know, what, is you going to have the Mexican National Anthem after that? Then you're going to have the Muslim National Anthem. It's just like there should be one anthem in the United States. And I think that when... You know the the Whitney Houston the Whitney Houston moment, nineteen ninety one, best Super Bowl song, best Super Bowl ever. ever. She sang the F sixteen, the F sixteen, like one national anthem. She sang the Star Spangled Banner. It was the most intense. People are crying. We're at war in the Desert Storm. Like that's what America is. So to see the NFL, we all know that they're going to go take the money. It's all good, but to go the woke route and have to do that, uh, the the Black National Anthem, just one national anthem. Why do you have a problem with that? Why do you have a problem with them playing the Black National? Because some people may say, what's wrong with them playing the Black National Anthem before the national? This has nothing to do with black, yellow, green, purple, anything. It has to do with America. I don't know what the Black National Anthem is. I don't want to know what it is. I don't want to know what the Catholic National Anthem is. I don't know what the Asian National Anthem is. I don't need the Jewish. I don't need the Muslim. Nothing. I need one anthem. It's the anthem of our country, American National Anthem, Star Spangled Banner, period, end of story. Stop with all the the kneeling and all that kind of stuff. Nobody wants it. I, I, I agree in the fact that, I mean, he's right. It's like why, why, one more thing to make people separated, make people talk crap. When you write something like end racism, do you understand how much of an un- achievable goal that that's such a stupid end race that's impossible you can't go like go to mississippi and you think you're not gonna like cure it's like cure racism you're not gonna do it it's making people you know what you should say it should say stop talking about racism that's leave it like let's just move on bro if you keep shoving it in people's faces that's gonna piss people off and make them more angry you know what uh, I mean? like what's why- the argument for not playing the black national anthem adam uh, gave his do you have a different one no, it's it's I have nothing different. It's a country. This is our country. The country has a national anthem. Thank you very much. There are no other countries that are represented here today. We all come from somewhere, and we become American citizens in the American experiment. The national anthem is of the country. That's what we're singing here today. Thank you very much. It's Chris, divisive. The, in Canada, do they do anything other than the Canadian national anthem? Do they do like the? Um... So the first, the ho- first people. Hockey will do. Hockey will do both. Certainly. Yeah, it'll what do they do? and Canadian, and typically in hockey games. No, I'm not talking about anthem. singing. Like w- sometimes in in basketball or in Canada or in hockey, they'll play the Canadian national anthem, but it's one song, right? It's a Canadian national anthem. Then we'll do the United States national anthem. But in Canada, do they ever play? Trudeau the, went as far as taking the word, I think, son or something out of the national anthem. But um, people or them? Yeah, they are. I don't He's know. So it's, it's so crazy. But like, you know, 
you live in it. You live in the country of the sport. Um, you play the you play that country's anthem. Uh, I, I'm a huge advocate of just like you know, we're building a video platform. This is a video business. Nothing else should get involved in that. If you want to do something that you want to advocate for, go do it on your personal time. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. All right. So this this uh, transitions me into the. I'm not transitioning. Focus. You're not going to. Tra- okay. Let's just clarify. Story. Nikki Haley claims she was a victim of racism. Uh, teased every day for being brown. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's got to be tough. So let's kind of go through this. Uh, Where did the brown go? She's white. Uh, uh, no. She looks really white. Vinny, you got to respect the story. Just please, like, I'm be sorry. a little bit compassionate for okay. people's challenges in their life. <laughs> so uh, let me read this. Hang tight for me. All right, here we go. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley claimed she was a victim of racism in her early childhood during a recent interview. Haley was born in the U.S. to two Sikh parents from India. Thus, Haley claimed while speaking with NBC Sunday caused her to have a difficult upbringing while growing up in South Carolina. We were only Indian. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. The Republican said I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it is to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. During the interview, Haley also noted her hesitancy to name slavery as a cause of the Civil War. While on the campaign trail, the response, she said, was due to her believing such information is automatic. If I didn't mention slavery on that day, it's because that's an automatic. She said the Civil War has always been known about slavery. So watch this. Nikki, this, this is why I have a problem with your approach and why so many people we talk to in the street, regular people, not elitists like you. I'm just talking regular people uh, who will look at you and the way you're packaging your 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 candidacy versus Vivek, okay? Vivek never uses color as a feel sorry for me, never. You use it to get sympathy, okay? Vivek, um, the, the people who are voting for, he's also Indian, okay? He's not sitting there saying, I was teased for being brown, okay? There is no feeling you get from Vivek for being a victim, I post a video the other day. And by the way, we did this video while I was in Palm Beach. If I look, if I show, I want you to see this here, Adam, because most people think I made this video because of Vivek. It just kind of timed perfectly. I'm going to show you when I posted this video, uh, uh, Adam, and I want you to sh- tell me the date, okay? Mm-hmm. When is the date for this video? Okay, boom, 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 boom. Here's the date. What's the date? January what? It says January 15th at 4.57 p.m. Can you pull up when the Babylon B story came up about Vivek in 7-Eleven, Okay. Uh, and it, it's just so accidental that the timing of it was perfect. What's the date? Is it that one? Go to Babylon B website. Okay, what's the date on that? 16. That's the next day. The next day. So they were inspired they, by you. I mean, I mean I, so <laughs> I get this video and I put it on Twitter, not thinking anybody about anything about it. But watch what Vivek does. Go to Vivek's Twitter account. Vivek says, thank you for coming, and don't forget to grab a Slurpee. He's got a sense of One humor, side, man. if I would have done this with Nikki Haley, she says, this is why racism exists. Racism. What does Vivek say? Please grab a Slurpee on the way yeah. out. Nikki, America loves Vivek for this reason, yep. and America is sick of the bullshit that you're doing to say, here, feel sorry for me because I was brown as a kid. Cry me a flipping river for taking that approach. America's fed up with these types of comments, Okay. You made it to the top. Instead, the message could be, look, you know, everybody has their own set of challenges of coming to the top. We all have ours. You have, you've had yours. But look, I, what racism? Look at me now. We've had a black president. 
We've had all these people that are winning at the highest level. Why are we making this a big deal today? Rather, you use it as a method of trying to divide and need some sympathy votes or people to feel sorry for. Again, it's not attractive. From a leader standpoint, it's not attractive. And, and by the way, somebody said something yesterday. It was so interesting. They said Tulsi Gabbard is everything Nikki Haley wished she could have been. Wow. Okay? Wished she could have been, and she's not. Versus Nikki Haley is closer to a Hillary Clinton than a Tulsi Gabbard. No doubt. People want somebody that's real that's talking to you. She does not give me that. And the the way, more think, she talks, the more feeling I get that her and Hillary are related. One hundred. And by the way, can you go back to that video? Just how, you know, my grandmother once told me before she passed away, never trust anybody that has leather shoulder pads. <laughs> Look at what the hell whoever picked that's that That's what grandma outfit, told you. Of, my of grandmother anything. said. Never that's, trust. That's wise, by the way. Pat, dude, look at what the collar. Never question a Syrian wisdom. There's thank you. There it is right respect. there. But by the way, you got to give credit to Vivek Ramaswamy <laughs> because he never, he never uses the race cards. He never uses it as an excuse. Give his his break. whole argument is against wokeness yeah. and and DEI and ESG. So it's antithetical uh, to what he stands for. What he you know tweeting about the Slurpee that people thought that he was going to be upset. He leaned into the joke. That's amazing. You saw that what he did the other day, you know, UPS did a big tweet and he retweeted what could Brown do for you? Like Vivek don't play when it comes to jokes and race. He jo enjoys it. It's it's just unattractive. It's just unattractive. It's just not, nothing about. By the way, it's like the whole hmm. Juicy Smollett. Like you want attention. Juicy, juicy Smollett. Juicy Smollett. Yeah, my, my bad. But it's like she knows she's drowning. So what? What's the what card do you play? Mm -hmm. Racist. Feel bad. Uh, feel bad for me. As if that's gonna get you votes. She's dead in the water. Tom, be honest. For you, a man that's open-minded, do you sympathize with the level of racism? that she experienced as a child for being brown. No, I, and I think Elizabeth Warren has been completely exposed for the things that she... Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. We're talking about somebody else? Oh, yeah. Nikki Haley. Well, Nikki Haley has, yeah. has once again has played the, you know, the Elizabeth Warren card, trying to, trying to use... So trying to use color, Stay race, or, or association to create affinity, yeah. and, but it's affinity not with, not with um, you know, achievement and anything to be proud of. It's affinity with victimhood. And I think the whole victimhood thing is disgusting to people. I think that's what makes Vivek, you know, attra attractive to people in his message. He said, so you know what? He's not a victim. He's just getting up there and he's doing his thing, speaking it, and he is who he is. Who do you think's decision that was to do that? Because, I mean, she has a team, right? Is that her decision to bring that up? Or somebody goes, you know what? Go for the brown race. It's her strategist and handlers that are telling her, don't bring up slavery. Guys, that's what they didn't I'm, want her to I'm say. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. It's 100% her decision. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's your decision. Mm. Everybody can give me feedback, whatever they want to give me. I made the decision. I'm a shot caller. You're a shot caller. That's your decision. We can easily, and by the way, even when you say, like, you know, when I give the story about Romney on the flight with Bill O'Reilly, I'm going to Vegas. Somehow, some of us are sitting right next to each other. I'm like, hey, what happened? Why did Romney lose? I thought he was going to win. And it says he listened to his campaign strategist that said, don't be mean on the last one because you beat him up so hard. Obama with Benghazi on the last one. You're losing single female voters. So talk about salads. Oh, I'm not, not saying salads. <laughs> yeah, you understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, okay, you're in a room. Your, your campaign strategist comes up to you and says, Vinny, mm -hmm. on this next campaign, wear shorts 
and a tank top, show your tattoos in the debate, mm -hmm. because if you do, you're going to get the single female vote, and middle America is going to like you. How short are the short? Now, if you, <laughs> you do it, if you sit there and you say, "What a freaking great idea!" You deserve everything you get. Okay, everything <laughs> yeah. you get. You're yeah. going to be very famous. 100%. You show up there on stage. <laughs> And do your thing. But, you know, th that's the part where you got to make a decision and say, look, this is my brand. You know what my brand is? Black shirt, nice little cross that I just bought, just sick hair. with my Manek money. I got nice watch. I'm yeah, wearing my nice. And I'm coming Sock out. And let you me put tell in you. your pants just and to kind of look a little what? bit bulgier. Oh, Why do people love you? Because you're Vincent O'Shano. You're authentic. That's true. The more pe I'm being very sincere yeah. with you. You're loved the way you are because you're straight up and you're sincere and authentic. And some of these politicians just don't even know how to do that. It's let me go give a speech here to one of these guys, or I'll flip again, come and give the speech here to one of these guys, or I'll go over there and give this guy. You know, say what you want about DeSantis. Whether you like him or don't like him politically, he is who he is. I, I you know, I asked him a question about his boots. I was hoping he would do something so people would laugh and he would laugh at himself, kind of like a self-deprecation moment. Guess what? He doesn't know how to do that. He just doesn't have that. Vivek has it. Trump has it. You know, Clinton has it. Some people have it. He, even George Bush has it. Remember he went on and, you know, uh, oops, or, you know, all these other things. I'm not talking Governor Perry, but even George Bush. He knew how to laugh at himself. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting thing to have. America likes that. He doesn't know how to do that, but at least he stayed very consistent. He shared his values. And America said, no, man, you're not number one. Maybe you'll have a different job. But Haley is... Uh, well, I think part of the reason that you're upset by this, when I, probably a lot of Republicans are upset by this, is because... Typically, identity politics and race politics is owned and operated by the left and the Democrats. What are you doing? So, yeah. um, you know, that's how we have a vice president named Kamala Harris because they didn't they weren't looking on meritocracy. They weren't looking on policy. They weren't even looking at personality, quite frankly. They were looking to check a box for the VP and boom. You know what would you make sense, though? Her. You know what would make sense, though? Yeah. Here's what would make sense. Okay. <sighs> Tom, uh, um, Chris, odds of this, odds of this, okay. You know how, when's the last time a candidate from the right left the party? Who's the last person that left the party? What do you mean a candidate on the right? Somebody from the right that left the party. You know, well, RFD just left, a, left, a, left and went and became a what? He became, she became, he became an independent, independent right? Yeah. Tulsa, le Tulsa left the left and she went and became independent. an independent, right? Yeah. But when's the last time somebody on the right left? Not to go to the left. Sometimes no, no go to the center. Yeah, yeah. Republicans leave to go to independent status. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Guess what, Nikki Haley? Maybe that's a good strategy for you. Exactly. Go, go, be that. Go be a you know center left person, and use your skin color, racism, and female and women and all this stuff. Maybe that audience will like you. And by the way, in New Hampshire, you know how many Democrats. They were talking about wanting to vote just so Trump loses in New Hampshire. She's getting Democratic votes. Maybe she'll get some votes on the other side. So what if she left the party and went and became a Democrat or center-left? That would be interesting. Joe Lieberman. Well, this goes, to my, this goes to my initial point where I think in 2024 this might help her a little bit. But when she loses to Trump, this is going to backfire tremendously in 2028. So she's going to get a little bump in New Hampshire. She might compete in South Carolina. Not really. But when all is said and done in 30 days when she drops out of the race— MAGA on the right wing won't will not forget who she is. Her career will officially be finished. But Ron DeSantis, because he ran to the right of Trump, will still have a chance in 2028. Well, Nikki just says I'm a I'm a Democrat now, and then she runs with uh, I don't Michelle think she Obama. Is. I think she's I a would. corporate bureaucrat. I don't think she's a Democrat. 
I think she's taking the money. She's playing the identity politics. Which, she's by the way, the game. okay, right there. She's taking the money. Of course she is. So watch this. Why does he like Dave Portnoy's deal? Why is Chris happy about Dave Portnoy's he deal? Because took equity. Because when somebody takes equity, what are they saying? I Trust really believe in long term on what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But there are some people right now that are calling me, and I'm talking to them, and they're saying, hey, man, I want to sell my podcast for this, 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 and that. I said, you want me to get you a buyer? I'll, I'll introduce you to Chris. I'll introduce you to this guy. I'll talk to them. See what they want. Okay, if you're looking for a check. These people get a lot of eyeballs, right? There are guys in the political side that just want a check. There are guys that want a partnership. There are guys that want equity. Dave wants a partnership. That's what Dave's got with the announcement that you made today, right? But I think Nikki Haley, obviously, going and sitting on the Boeing uh, uh, board, that's money. You didn't go to Boeing because you're like, oh, my God, I just love the planes you guys make. You guys change people's lives yeah. with these doors opening and the plane in Miami Engine's on fire. Burning. Isn't that great? It's like better than fireworks. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Can you play the video of the Miami plane? Boeing just on fire flying. The lady is screaming, saying, what the hell is going on? So guess what, Democrats? If Adam says she's a, what did you call her? She's a corporate? Corporate uh, stooge? I don't know what I call her. By the way, that's the plan. And and I want this lady to say her thing, and then I'll give my sincere shout out This is a Boeing in Miami. In Miami. Listen to this lady. Oh, you don't have the lady what she says because she's all. Well, dude, what she's that's saying. all my luck. That'd be the flight that I'm on. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah, but look you, at that. She's on fire. Oh my god! Sorry. Imagine you're on the flight. Oh, it's on fire. And they have to turn Mom. around and come back. By the way, there's a reason why people are afraid of heights because oh. they were on a flight like this for the rest of their life. They're miserable. Let me finish this up. <laughs> so maybe this is even a message to Nikki Haley. Maybe it's for. Democrats that listen to the podcast, many do. Maybe this is an opportunity for you, you know what I'm saying? Like, go, this is an opportunity to get somebody to go on the left. You know how big of an announcement that would be for the left if they announced? Nikki Haley, who was the person that almost beat Trump, she finally saw the BS in Trump. She is now a Democrat. Wow, the trade. It would be a brilliant strategy for the left to consider. I think big time. And then guess what? She, and then once Mich- Michelle Obama goes, hey, I'm running. Maybe she runs have her start VP. a podcast on Rumble. Do a podcast on and call it she We is. Trade It. The trade. But by the way, you showed that video. The trade, right? Yeah, the Miami. I just, I don't know why the first thing that jumped in my head, Adam, was a flight attendant going, just Jesus Christ, just don't look up. <laughs> the flight attendant on that airplane, they must have been going crazy. The whole engine was up. It was a cargo plane, so I don't believe oh, there were any passengers nobody, oh, that's on that's it. That's boring, then. There goes my joke. Great. It's just a metaphor. Thanks for ruining everything. It's just a metaphor for the last week of her campaign. That's what. Whether it's a whether it's a cargo plane or not, it's a Boeing plane. No. Yeah. Rob, is that it a was. Boeing plane? It was. It was a Boeing. Is it, is it? Yeah, Boeing seven four seven eight Test. cargo. Boeing's plane. not doing well, and then the ESG and the doors—they're killing well, they it. They just announced after last week they're like moving forward. We're going to have convertible planes. Really? Yeah, with outdoor swimming pool. God. Nice. Just go take a bath in the back. Oh, <laughs> Latest uh, uh, new uh, advancement in Boeing, they're introducing wow. convertible planes. Everybody, by the time the flight is on, everybody's got slick back hair. Forget about Botox. You're going like this. And frostbite. <laughs> Anyways, oh, folks, this is a God. joke. Don't go share the story oh. with others. Boeing Fly is introducing the- convertible planes. That wouldn't work in today's economy. It would be a bad idea to take that flight. Guys. Anyways, 
We oh got my. a lot of other stories to cover. We'll do one home team together as well. This has oh been a blast. God, Chris, so you the man. Happy for you. Congrats. Congrats Big bro. deal. Phenomenal story to go from where you're at to where you are now. And, uh, you know, dropping out and, you know, doing what you're doing with websites. And then all of a sudden you build this thing and turns into 60 million people visiting the site, getting millions of eyeballs, some of the biggest brands choosing to join you with Rumble. Very excited for you. The, the, the part for me that I'm most excited for Rumble, I said this, I think, I said this a year and a half ago when, when the whole Spotify thing that happened. Yep. Not even a year and a half ago. I said this two years ago when we sat down at the house. We were talking late at night after we had dinner at Casa D'Angelo. I said, this is why I trust capitalism and I love capitalism. Because when YouTube was doing what it was doing, censoring videos, then what happened? A guy like Chris said, look, that's not cool. We're going to make it work. Trust me, guys. Running a business, it is a hundred times harder than you even know it. A lot of people say, oh, look at this rich guy, got $400 million. Do you know how many sleepless nights this guy's mm-hmm. had to probably get the business to where it's at today? That's why I respect him, because it's hard to be an operator. It is harder than you even think it is. It's very, very hard to be an operator, never to give up. And all these people creating content because somebody was stubborn enough to not take all the pushing, the bullying behind closed doors, and he stood, he stood calm, he believed in his stuff, family was backing him up. And then now you build something like this. But I love capitalism. I trust capitalism. Capitalism makes guys like you come out and say, no, that's not cool. I have an idea. I think we can do it better like this. Capitalism says, you know what? I'm worth $300 billion. I can date anybody out there in the world, and I probably have. And I got some money. It's around $300 billion. Not that much. But you know what? Not as if my life isn't crazy enough right now. I'm going to buy this company called Twitter, and I'm going to pay $30 billion more than what it's really worth because I believe freedom of speech is that much that important, right? Mm-hmm. Then Daniel Eck, when they try to trash, uh, what do you call it? Rogan uh, on Spotify. Rogan. He said, no, no, no. No, listen, I'm over here in my country. Don't bother us. Mm-hmm. You Americans trying to turn everybody into this and this and that. We like what Rogan's doing. We're sticking with them. Rumble, y- you know, Spotify, Twitter, X now. Many of these guys, due to capitalism competing, uh, force their competitors to sit there and say, maybe we are not making the best decisions right now. Maybe we ought to take a different kind of a route. And I applaud you. I respect you for doing that. Again, Rob, if you want to go back to Manek, for some of you guys that watch this and you want to give this man a shout-out or ask him a question, how do you go through the tough times to get to where you are today, just make sure don't ask him political questions because he's going to say yes or no. (laughs) Skip political questions. You can Manek with him. That's his QR code at the bottom. But definitely do give him a shout-out for him being on the podcast here today. Take care, everybody. Tomorrow morning, we are back on, I think, home team tomorrow. We got 40 stories we haven't gone through Uh that we will get through tomorrow morning. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.